Hello, dangerously unprepared listeners. So before we get started, an apology that we haven't been putting out episodes recently. Uh, Obviously, with the world in meltdown in a global pandemic, my schedule has been shot all to hell and I haven't found the time to edit episodes together. Uh, That's on me, but we have been recording content and hopefully you'll be hearing some of that very soon. What you're going to hear today is an older episode from the before times when we walked under the sun's warming rays and knew what other people looked like. Uh, I got lost when I moved to Scotland, I think, but I've now rediscovered it. It looks like it's already edited together, and we've actually referred back to this episode that you've never heard already, so it's probably a good idea that I can put it out and you can have context for what I meant when I said We were talking about Love, Death and Robots, the Netflix series. So enjoy, and we'll be back soon with new content uh, as soon as I figure out a time to sit down and edit stuff. Thank you for your patience. You are listening to Dangerously Unprepared. How are you, sir? I'm okay. I'm improving. Uh, I'm a lot better than I was. Like last week, I, I didn't realize it at the time subjectively, but I would have sounded like shit. Uh, my voice was not up to much. Well, I think um, so you coughed and something popped. Oh yeah, yeah, like oh. every time. Oh. Um, I also I pulled a, a muscle in my stomach coughing, so every oh. time I coughed, it just hurt. Yeah, I've that was that. fun. Yeah, um, I've done that. But it was when I went back to work because I was like, oh, I'm feeling much better and not completely recovered, but much better. And I went mm. in, and they were like, How are you? And I'm like, well, I'm better than I was, but I'm not all the way there. And Alex. As I said to Carrie earlier, I just went, yeah, you sound like shit. And I was like, oh, I thought I sounded okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I I sort of listened to myself a bit and I was like, oh, yeah, I do sound terrible. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But but it is a a journey upwards. It is a journey upwards. I am feeling much better now. Hello and welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Jack. Hello. And Kyrie. Hello. We have a lot to talk about this we week. Do. Oh. Settle in. Oh, it's gonna be a long one. And and just because I know there are so many fans who love it, I want to start by talking about wrestling. Alright, go for it. Because it's actually been a couple of weeks since I uh, saw this show now, but we specifically have had requests for me to talk about We're All Gonna Die, The Frantic Scramble in Search for Meaning Through a Mess of Meaty Interactions, a.k.a. Chris Wolf's Retirement Show. Aww. So Chris Wolf, if you don't know who that is, um, then really go back and listen to some previous episodes because I've talked about her a bunch. Uh, she's a 34-year-old woman who has been a professional wrestler. Um only for I think only for five years, I think. And unfortunately, she was recently diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome, uh, and that's the sort of thing that just gets worse. Uh, yeah. It doesn't get better, so she's had to retire. Um, but luckily for me, 
she has a deep and abiding fondness for Eve Professional Wrestling in Bethnal Green in London, and it was there that she decided she would hold her retirement show. And it was very much her retirement show. She Basically, she was given access to the Resistance Gallery. Eve crew would run it, Eve would film it, they'd do the commentary, do all the announcement, but it was her show. She got to book who she wanted, she booked the matches, and even like Dan and Emily, who run Eve, didn't know what the card was until like that morning, practically. So it was as much shock to them as it was to us. Uh, it was hilarious, to put it bluntly. I'm not going to talk about it at too much length, but I'll just give you a rundown of the event because it's all worth talking about. The show got started uh, with Chris introducing the first stage of the story of Chris Wolf, Conception. And we were all like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So Emily announces the first competitor for the Conception match. And Martina, the session moth, comes down to the ring with the word egg written on her forehead in Sharpie marker. Right. And no more babies written on her chest in Sharpie marker. Uh, and she is introduced as ovary moth. And the running gag is she is everyone's mum. Like, all of the young women on the roster are her kids. Uh, Millie McKenzie's recent heel turn has been decried by her in, in no... Uh, uncertain terms as where did I go wrong with her? Um, but it, for for tonight, she, threatens to spank them she does lot. threaten to spank them a lot. But for tonight, she was determined no more babies. And then, the competition was announced. First was Erin Angel, or as she was known tonight, Spunk Angel, who came down to the ring with a pink sperm scrawled on her face in glittery makeup, right, with the tail like going down her neck. Next was Laura Di Matteo, also known as Man Cream Di Matteo, also with a sperm on her face. And last was Killer Kelly, who tonight would be working under the name Killer Jizz. It was a handicap match, three sperm versus an egg. And when the bell rang, the sperm just sort of wandered around confusedly, bumping into each other. Um, and... The commentary was talking about, well, you know, they do say 68% of sperm are swimming in the wrong direction at any given time, so this might not be the most coordinated effort we've ever seen. And it wasn't. Uh, But eventually, obviously, three-on-one, they did overpower the ovary moth, and all three of them pinned her simultaneously for the win, Uh, despite such spots as Laura Di Matteo repeatedly walking headfirst into the turnbuckle during the match because she's a sperm. Um... So that set the tone for the night, really. It was I it was hilarious. Everyone was laughing. Everyone was super into it. And actually there was some very impressive wrestling on display at moments. Um, but we knew it wasn't going to be an ordinary night of wrestling. After the match, Chris announces stage two in her story, a difficult puberty. And when Emily announces the first competitor, I Hope You Suffer by AFI. That is an AFI song, isn't it? If it is, it's not one I know. Um, Let me just look it up. 
I hope you suffer. It is an AFI song. Uh, it's it's from After My Time. Uh, it's from After. You see, that's why I was going to you for confirmation. Yeah. I knew there was a time. They 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 went they went from punk to to goth, and then they went very arty after that. Went off in their own direction. I kind of trailed off after that, but I really should get back into them. Mm. But it is better known as Jimmy Havoc's music. Uh, Jimmy Havoc being. Uh, a recent signing to AEW, but Britain's most controversial and divisive wrestler. He's a scary motherfucker. He is a scary motherfucker. And what was hilarious was this is Eve Women's Wrestling, and Jimmy Havoc's music just hit, and the whole crowd is just silent, because they don't know how to react. This is not one of the Eve regulars. It's not even a woman. Uh, apart from one guy at the back of the room, who after a moment of shock just went, FUCK NO! <laughs> Which was the right reaction to Jimmy Havoc turning up. And I didn't know this when I was watching the show live, but I've since watched it on demand. And Jimmy Havoc was commentating on this match, and he was also confused. <laughs> but out walks Ginny. Except in a Die Havoc Die t-shirt and a black face mask and some black cargo jeans and very goth makeup, which is not normally the fashionista's style. And is announced as Ginny Havoc. Uh, at which point Jimmy Havoc on commentary becomes increasingly insensible with laughter as the match continues, declaring, <laughs> Well, now I know why she wanted me to come tonight. <laughs> she was saying, Oh, are you gonna be there tonight? I kinda want you to be, and now I know why, don't I? Um <laughs> And she was booked against Jetta, who is one of the Eve faithful, who came out with one trouser leg rolled up her cap backwards, wearing two watches as her chav self, because this match was a period piece set 15 years ago uh, when Jetta had been in training for maybe four years and Ginny was just getting started with her wrestling training, uh, leading to a great spot in the match where where Jetta looks at young Ginny and says, oh, you think you know it all because you watch all the pay-per-views on ITV, but my house is on a hill. I'll get Channel 5. I can watch WCW. <laughs> uh, which got a huge reaction from the crowd. Good times. Uh, of course, um, Chris is well known for her time in Japan, which is why the next match was Chris Wolf versus Japan, <laughs> in which Viper, in character as The Mountain, uh, Viper you may know as Piper Niven from yep. NXT UK, uh, can, takes on Jamie Hayter, who normally works heel, at Eve, is one of the biggest heels at Eve, although I really need to watch their latest show, because apparently she's face-turned, and I'm like, how the hell do you face-turn Jamie Hayter? I love it when you when you, when you when someone goes from heel to face, and you're like, no, that will never, never work. I missed one show, and I woke up the day after, and there was a Facebook poll going, okay, so Jamie Hayter, after last night, how do we all feel? And the big chant is, we all hate her, Jamie Hayter. And there was just a poll with, we all hate her, we all love her, and We All Love Her was like 80% of the vote. And I'm like, what did I miss? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> but at the Chris Wolf show, she was working. I'm not sure if you can call it face, but it wasn't outright heel. She was Tonkatsu. And <laughs> she came out in her Oedo Tai um, gear. Because she is a member of Oedo Tai, as was Chris Wolf. That's the Japanese connection. Uh, so it was Tonkatsu the Ninja versus The Mountain. Uh, Katsu the Ninja. Yes. <laughs> Leading to a new unfortunate catchphrase for Viper, because at one point she stood 
shoulders up around her ears, arms out at angles in the middle of the ring and just declared, Mountain! Like she's the weirdest new Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) And the crowd was so into that, she did it again a few times in the match and people just fucking loved it. To the point that she has not been able to escape this in subsequent matches at EVE. Like, this will follow her for a while. I'm really hoping it follows her to NXT UK as well. Because she had the most adorable, I love it, but I'm really embarrassed look every time it happened. Every time the crowd (laughs) just went, mountain, back. Uh, (laughs) um, Oh, Oh God, what have I started? Yes. Oh, well. There there was this wonderful realisation that a new meme had begun. (laughs) Uh, So that happened... Um, And the next match was perhaps the most anticipated match of the night. It was the only one that was pre-announced. Well, the only one of Chris's matches that was pre-announced, because there was one Eve match. But, so Chris Wolf, as part of her gimmick, has this wolf head uh, that she sometimes wears, like a fursuit wolf head. And it's called Tito. And In her four or five year career, Tito has come in for some real abuse. He's been kicked around, he's been thrown out of the ring, he's been stamped on. Um, No one more so than Charlie Evans has abused poor Tito. Charlie Evans is one of the great heels of Eve. And this was pre-announced. This was the hype match. Charlie Evans versus Tito the Wolfhead. Now, just the wolf just head. the wolf head. In this case, the wolf head on a blow up doll, right. <laughs> uh, wearing okay. a Charlie Evans merchandise T shirt. Which it is a gimmick of Chris Wolf that she will wear the T shirt of her opponent because she loves everyone, right? Even the people she's fighting. Uh, and yes, there was a Chris, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, who's Chris? Charlie Evans. But it's because we're going to be talking about Endgame later, and everyone in that is called Chris. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Charlie Evans released a T-shirt of her versus Tito to hype up this event, and Tito was wearing that T-shirt. There is the, the old saying in wrestling that a great wrestler can put on a 20-minute match with a broom and make the broom look strong. Mm. And that is what we saw here. Charlie Evans uh, put on a, I think it was like a 15-minute match against a blow-up doll wearing a fursuit head, and it was... An amazing match. Uh, Did they win? Uh, I, Tito lost. Okay. Um, oh no, wait, did Tito lose? Yeah, Tito lost. Yes, Tito did lose. Because you, you've got to lose your retirement match, it's a tradition. Yeah, right. you go out on your back. You go out on your back. But not before putting Charlie Evans into a chair wedged in the turnbuckle. Not before putting Charlie Evans into the thumbtacks. Like, this was a brutal match that Charlie Evans did to herself. Uh, (laughs) Weird. It was amazing. It was phenomenal. And, again, the crowd were super into it. And the ref was so essential in terms of pulling Tito's shoulder up to avoid the pinfalls and uh, (laughs) positioning him in between um, falls and stuff. It It was just hilariously good fun. And then came what was announced as the canon match of the evening. The canon one. Yeah, everything else is non-canon because it's not an Eve show. Uh, But we had the championship match, uh, which was Nina Samuels, heel again known from NXT UK, 
uh, amazing heat. Everyone loves to boo her. Versus Kaylee Ray, also well known for NXT UK now, in a championship match. Um, and this was the the one match of the evening that wasn't part of Chris's show. Except that they had a spot where the ref got knocked down and they needed a replacement ref and Chris Wolf came out because as she's running the show tonight, she can insert herself as a referee if she wants. And she counts for Kaylee Ray to pin Nina Samuels and walk away as the champion. Uh-huh. So huge pop for that. Everyone was super pleased. And then as Chris is in the ring, uh, what a perfect time to have her final match. Her last ever match. Mm. A gauntlet match against everyone. <laughs> right. Chris Wolf versus the match. world. So a gauntlet match is where it's it's one on one, except it's one person is running the gauntlet. And if, the, well, if they win or lose, their opponent changes. The, the person they were against leaves and the next person comes in. Right. So you have to go through all of them and score more wins than losses. Right, okay. Uh, so it was a gauntlet match with a two-minute time limit on each match. Yeah. Uh, as as Dan was saying when he was announcing it, now two-minute time limit might not sound like a lot, but I'm telling you, that locker room is full. <laughs> uh, so she ended up having like 13 matches Jeez. at two-minute time limits uh, versus Laura DiMatteo, uh, which went to a time limit draw. She then beat Erin Angel. She beat Rhea O'Reilly, which is kind of fine because Rhea O'Reilly is sort of working on one leg. <laughs> She's injured at the moment, but she had to be involved. Mm. Um, then after Rhea came... Ah, oh, yes, after Rhea, Charlie Morgan, who I've talked about at great length on this podcast, uh, came out and she had her foot in a cast as well because she's injured too. And she got on the mic and said, obviously, Chris, I'd love to wrestle you. I would love nothing more. But and just sort of gestures down at her cast. And Chris just leans in on the mic and goes, you have other parts. <laughs> and Charlie's like, well, yeah, but I mean, how am I going to run up the wall? OK, that's fair. So I can't wrestle you, but I know someone who can. And Charlie Morgan's music starts and the commentators are like, wait, Charlie Morgan's introducing Charlie Morgan. What's going on here? And out comes Jetta again, but this time wearing Charlie Morgan's ring gear <laughs> and doing Charlie Morgan's entrance. And she is right. announced as Jetta Morgan and then wrestles a Jetta, uh, a Charlie Morgan style match, uh, which she lost. Chris Wolf beat Jetta, then uh, beat uh, Rebel Kinney, who is uh, fairly new to Eve and very fun. Uh, she is also known as the Psycho Dyke. Psycho Dyke. Uh, Psycho Dyke. Uh, then Chris beat Killer Kelly. Uh, then out came Mountain! <laughs> Too many chants of Mountain. Uh, that went to a time limit draw. She beat Kaylee Ray, the new champion, who, after her match, grabbed a mic and said, you know, it was... Obviously, the title wasn't on the line, but I'm telling you, Chris, if you ever want to come back, if I've still got <laughs> this, you have a championship match anytime you want. Huge Aww. cheers, off she goes. Uh, she beats the session moth, and then out came Nina Samuels. And as I said, Nina Samuels, one of the big heels of Eve, who basically squashes Chris Wolf with what was a beautifully executed 
move that looks like a really nasty head bump on someone who's retiring for concussion syndrome, but was actually incredibly safe. But the match suddenly gets weirdly dark as Chris is selling it like a head injury. Right. So everyone's booing Nina out of the building, obviously. Mm. And then out comes Ginny, also a heel. Time limit draw, and Chris is looking really out of it the whole time. Jamie Hayter, another big heel. Time limit draw. Chris basically looks like she doesn't know where she is anymore. And then she's set to face Charlie Evans, maybe the biggest heel in Eve, if not in Chris's career. And Jamie Hayter and Ginny are still there, and it's three on one, and they're just beating the hell out of her. And I'm like, this is a really weird way for them to finish the night, quite frankly. <laughs> we were hoping for a, for a happy story. Yep. When the big surprise of the night happened, and an unfamiliar piece of music starts playing, and an unfamiliar video starts playing on their Tron, which is a projector on a wall. Uh, and Act Yasukawa came out to one of the biggest pops I've ever heard at Eve. Now, if you don't know who Act Yasukawa is, mm. and there's slim odds that you do, Kyrie, do you? The name rings a bell. Um, she involved in fucking. I want to say Act. No, Act is the, her name. Um, Act is her name. Yes. No, sorry, fucking. No, no, it's gone. There was there was a Japanese promotion that had like it was a three thing, but it was all it was a it was an acronym, but it was also a word, and I can't. No, Yasukawa is Stardom, um, and more to the point is the manager of Oedo Tai. Oh, which, as I said, Chris was a member of when she was over in Japan. Jamie was a member of. Um, Martina is a member of. Um, there's there's a sort of big sort of relationship between Eve and Oedo Tai. Because they have a lot of gaijin, and Eve provides them with a lot of their gaijin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Feed me more gaijin. But she's <clears throat> she's rather infamous in Japanese wrestling, because she was part of what's now known as, I don't know the Japanese for it, but it translates as the ghastly match. Uh, wow. Which is when... I'm trying to remember who it was went off on her. But her opponent um, just went shoot on her, just went into business for herself and just started actually beating the shit out of her um, and hospitalized her very badly. Um, Well, took it too far would imply the match got out of hand. This wasn't a match at this point. This was, this was a beating in the middle of the ring. Um, The, this Hirano Yoshiko. Yes. Yeah. Um, Who, Retired from in-ring competition afterwards because no one would work with her. I like that. Um, and Yasukawa had to also retire from in-ring competition for other reasons mm. uh, and became a manager instead. And it is a beloved manager because this happened to her and everything. Um, but we were not expecting her to turn up in Bethnal Green. Uh, <laughs> so she comes out, makes the save. Uh, like Her whole thing is she comes out with a bottle of rum and, and mists people in the face with it. Uh, that night she had a bottle of Jack Daniels, but same gimmick. <laughs> she comes out, nice. mists everyone in the face with it, yep. saves Chris Wolf. Oedo uh, Tai dance party in the middle of the ring. Streamers get thrown, and we end up with the face finish that we we all wanted. Um, and it was beautiful. And because she has such a history in Japan, 
And because Dan and Emily are such a fan of Japanese wrestling, uh, they had the traditional 10-bell salute for a retiring wrestler. Uh, and it all got very emotional. But on the whole, fucking hilarious night of wrestling that proves that you don't have to take it seriously at all. Mm. Like At no point during this night, apart from maybe just a little bit after the Nina Samuels match, did this have any seriousness to it. Uh, yeah, one of the best nights of wrestling I've ever been to. Hugely entertaining. Uh, Chris Wolf, no longer an in-ring competitor, but I doubt she's left the public eye. So I'm going to keep an eye on her YouTube and see what she does next. Massively entertaining person. One of the most infectiously cheerful people I have ever met. <laughs> uh, and yeah, absolutely blinding night and if you were to go to evondemand.pivotshare.com uh then what's, the whole what's that, what's that website i just gonna check if that's actually the right <laughs> fact check evondemand.pivotshare.com <laughs> uh the the we're all gonna die retirement show is on there in its entirety and it is well worth a fucking watch it is hilarious you can you don't even have to subscribe you can rent it for 10 bucks uh, you can buy it to own for 20 or you can get a, a month subscription for 10 bucks and watch a bunch of the shows, and I would recommend that, if you, even if you just subscribe for the one month. Yeah, because then you can just watch a whole bunch of shit for yeah. less than the cost of owning one thing. And there's a lot of good stuff on there to watch. So yeah, that happened, and that was... To be honest, we're going to be talking about two three-hour-long culminations of a multi-year event that involved the bringing together That's of an enormous nice. cast of characters tonight, and I, this I is was, the better one. I, I was, uh, yeah, well, actually, I was about to say, leading into it, I was about to say, yes, we're going to be discussing uh, a, a, a vast, uh, almost apocalyptic uh, finale to uh, what feels like uh, millions of years of build-up <laughs> with, with great climactic uh, set pieces going into it, which has left a lot of the fan base feeling somewhat disappointed in, in the final result. We are, of course, talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. We are, of course, talking about Eurovision. Sorry, no. Um, <laughs> like There are so many things going on right now. There are, and and I have heard of this Game of Thrones of which you speak. Yes, have I? I haven't. I've not watched Game of Thrones. I've not watched it. I've not I, watched I, it. I've heard of it. Oh, okay. I've, I I'm aware it exists. You've watched like four episodes. I've watched like a handful of episodes of season one. I saw the first episode of season one. I got a bad feeling about this Sean Bean fella. <laughs> Sean Bean got what was coming to him. I, it, right, okay, I've read the first book, so yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he had a fucking dumb in old Ned. Yep. Um, and it's Sean yeah. Bean, like, you, you, if you're expecting him to make it through a multi-year series, you don't know Sean Bean. Can I, can I, this is, this is a bit out of left field for, for, um, for Dangerously Unprepared. Can I ask for a spoiler on something? Okay. Does Sean Bean survive to the end of Sharp? I don't know. Oh, okay. That's a good question. I felt like this, for some reason, I felt like that might be knowledge in this, like, between the three of us. I mean, I can look it up. No, not Sharp the Company. God damn it, Google. <laughs> it's Sharp with an E. Oh, it is, isn't it? Apparently he does. 
Hey, awesome. Good for him. Good for anyway, him. Anyway, end game. Uh, well, before end game. No, bef- after. No, wait, hang on. Yes, before end game. I was trying to agree with you, but what came out was no, and then I had to try and <laughs> figure this out. Because uh, Jack wanted to mention a little something, uh, which I've seen two episodes of, uh, so have uh, an incomplete opinion. But Jack, by all means, tell us more about the Tim Miller uh, animated anthology Netflix show, Love, Death and Robots. Yes, Love, Death and Robots. Um, wasn't something I was originally planning to watch anytime soon. But I just finished watching uh, Free Below, the first part of Free Below, which is the second story in the DreamWorks Trollhunters narrative. Okay. Because that finished its three parts last year. And then some new characters they introduced within like the last half of the series out of nowhere have now had they are now having their story playthrough. And then they've had they've had the in the first part of this series, they've had their crossovers with the previous one. So when the next part comes out, probably later this year, it'll be all brand new content unrelated to the previous show. So that was cool. Uh, so I finished watching that, and then I went, it came up on my recommendations. And I was like, oh, all right. I've, been, I've heard things about it. I've seen some gift sets and whatnot. I'll uh, boot up the first, just put it on and start watching it. Yeah. And the episodes range from 10 to 20 minutes an episode, sort of thing. They're not very long. I think the and, shortest one is like eight minutes. Yeah. I mean, or no, it, less than that. Seven minutes is the shortest one. Yeah, you can get through it in a couple of hours, in an hour or so. That's a short series. It's a bunch of different animated shorts. Yeah, so it's uh, Tim Miller who directed Deadpool, put this together, and got various science fiction writers to write these very short episodes uh, as an anthology, all on the topic of love, death, and robots. And mm. they vary wildly. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, like the, the first two, and the only two I've watched, are perhaps excellent examples of the extreme ends of the spectrum. Uh, is Sunny's Edge and Free Robot? It is! Uh, yeah. So the first one was Sunny's Edge, written by Peter F. Hamilton. And oh, my I... immediate reaction to that was it was very Peter F. Hamilton. Is it really fucking weird? It is pretty fucking weird, but more, it's just really fucking, I don't like it. Yeah, uh, it's monster fighting. I've tried to read Peter F. Hamilton, and I can't. He's one of the few, like, sort of big-name sci-fi authors that I'm sort of aware of. Mm. He does a lot of, like, isn't his stuff, like, all biotechnology? And There's a lot that? of yes. biohacking stuff in his uh, in what he does, and yeah, very, um, much, so very much in Sonny's Edge. So Sonny's Edge, the, the high concept is that it, it's monster fighting. So you have yeah. these fighters who remote control these monsters in a, you know, no-holds-barred arena competition. And the question is, what is Sonny's edge? Because Sonny wins. Um, and there's a lot of 
sexploitation in it, a lot of body horror in it. Um, and the the twist is that the monster isn't actually being remote controlled. This one is smart and is fighting for itself. Well, it's it's Sunny. Yeah, it's Sunny I, herself. I just realised why this seems why this sounds so familiar to me. Mm-hmm. I've read a second one of the few Peter F. Hamilton books I've read is Second Chance at Eden, and Sunny's Edge is the first short story in that. Oh, well, ah, there you go. There I'm like, holy shit, this sounds really familiar. Do all of <laughs> do all of Hamilton's uh, stories go exactly the same way? Wait, let me look up that one I read. No, no it's apparently he just... just adapted a short story for this episode. Then, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and the three other... robots is probably one of my favourites. Yeah, the other day. one I saw is Three Robots because I was determined to watch this one because it was John Scalzi, who is one of my favourite authors, as opposed to Peter F. Hamilton, who I've not made it through a single book. <laughs> uh, I can't off the top of my head name a John Scalzi book I haven't read uh, and Three Robots is about three very different robots exploring post-apocalyptic city and misunderstanding human society it's amazing and at one point they meet a cat yes. uh, and uh, Xbot 4000 is instructed to try and deter it by a rhythmic disturbance of its chitinous spur with his digits and strokes it and it starts purring, at which point KVRC like hides behind the sofa and is like, I think you activated it. <laughs> uh, and that one's adorable. Uh, it's they're, they're, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the, the three types of robots, they're all like the further editions of stuff that existed when humans were around. Yes, so KVRC Xbox, was a nanny cam. Yeah, Xbox 4000 was a games console. And they find his ancestor. <laughs> of course, I'm not quite sure what the uh, uh, the other one was. Uh, it, it doesn't even have a name in the script. It's just no. a triangular robot that appears to be a data repository. Yeah, it's it's the it's the Glados. It's the Howl. If I had to guess, uh, I would say its ancestor was Alexa. Yes, that would make sense. Yeah, and it, it it's literally a pyramid shaped robot. With uh, some segmented sections, and it's got that one singular eye and like one uh, extendable arm, and that's its entire its, its its entire form. But the other two are bipedal humanoid. Yes, shapes. but the the triangle bot is the one that um, has access to all of the databases and knows yeah. everything and keeps answering the questions. Although, to be Saki honest, Saki is fuck. Saki is <laughs> fuck and also wrong about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and those are the um, two I've seen, and they are very, yeah. very different. There's a couple of other Scalzi's that I want to watch, um, and Alistair Reynolds has one that I want to watch, but it really does jump all around the place. Mm. And they're all typical sci-fi tropes, you know. It's like there is no real <clears throat> like um, didn't see that coming moments in it. It's like you can pretty much, you can get the idea from. From it as you're watching it. I don't know. The ending of Three Robots was a good twist ending. <laughs> that was a good twist ending, yes. But it's like um, I f- I found out that there, apparently there's four viewing orders though. Yes. So uh, different people on Netflix will get them in different orders. Uh, yeah. For some reason. It's just an experiment they're trying. Yep. Because it's an anthology, there is no need for it to be in a specific order. Exactly. There's no continuity to worry about. Yeah. And uh, I got the same viewing order as you did, mm. starting with Sunny's Edge. 
which is like seems to be the like the the, the quote unquote canon order. Yes, it's certainly the order they've got them listed on Wikipedia. Yeah. Someone, um, someone thought it was being listed by uh, it changes the order based on your viewing habits. So, like, someone uh, did it based on, uh, like, uh, they had, uh, it was, like, a lesbian viewer and a straight viewer, and they got two different streaming orders. What What was the lesbian viewer's first one? Uh, it didn't specify. It was just, it was just on a tweet. Sort okay. Because uh, if I've done Netflix, anything with yeah. my viewing history on Netflix that suggested I wanted to watch a Peter F. Hamilton story... Then <laughs> I've clearly been doing something wrong with my life. Yeah, but Netflix came out to that one and said, "No, it's completely not based on that." Because how would we get that information? How how would we know about your viewing habits? Well, is that how would we, we we how would we get your sexual preference? They they have sections. I mean, it's it's not a completely definitive way of telling someone's sexual preference, but they do have. That's true. I get a lot of LGBT. Sections. I get custom categories with LGBT stories yeah, in because yeah, of my viewing habits. And there's same. also been deep speculation. Uh, it's very interesting that certain viewers for the show Black Lightning oh, have, have uh, thumbnails featuring um, Gamby, the one white character. <laughs> oh. uh, so they, they clearly do do some tailoring based on assumptions so. they make about their audiences. Yeah, it's, it's literally like that line from Winter Soldier. It's like, how? But how could Netflix know? And then the evil Netflix person is like, how could we not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I've I watched them all in a single viewing, and uh, you know, some are better than others. The they they you, know, you can you can guess how they some of them are going to end sort of thing. But some of my favorites were. Uh, stuff like one called Suits, which is about um, a community of farmers who use their homemade mechs to defend their families from an alien invasion. Nice. Now, I There's did one... see somewhere um, mm. someone did a potentially quite useful list of content warnings for the different episodes of Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because some of them are extremely grim. Yeah. Uh, some of them deal with some very contentious issues. Yeah, because unfortunately, the when the 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 Netflix ratings, everything is it's completely rated as an eighteen, and it has you know, excessive violence and all those sorts of. It's the same heading for every episode because it takes it as a whole. Yeah, because there's one episode called Fish Night, which um, is listed as one of the two safe episodes, I believe. Yes. Yeah, it's about uh, two salesmen. Whose cars break down in the desert, and they meet. They get this amazing, uh, like view into the fact that they, this desert was once under the sea. You know, and it's like the ghosts of the of the sea life that were there in the past. It's really, it's a really beautiful episode. Really well animated. But yeah, I remember there being out of the eighteen episodes, like two of them were listed as safe. And the uh, others probably... had various warnings for sexual violence, body yeah. horror, and all sorts of things. Body horror? I'm there. I mean, in, in looking at it, I would say, um, obviously because it's an 18 across the board sort of thing, but uh, I would say 
Three robots is a safe one. Yep, that and Fish Knight were the two that were listed as safe. I would say Suits is fairly safe. Um, uh, And uh, when Yogurt took over the world... That's another John Scalzi one. And uh, Zima Blue. And uh, Alternate Histories is another one I would say that they're all I'd be surprised if Zima Blue was safe because it's Alistair Reynolds. Now, I like Alistair Reynolds. Uh, but he doesn't shy away from concepts. <laughs> it's an interesting one. It's about uh, Zima Blue is a renowned artist who re- recounts his mysterious past and rise to fame before unveiling like his final piece. Mm. And it's it's there's no violence or anything in it. It's not even sexual. It's just an interesting story. So if that's not other one of the safe ones, I'm not quite sure why. Hmm. I mean, it might have been. It's been a while yeah. since I saw the list, and I can't remember exactly where everything was listed. I just remember that it was a very small minority were listed as safe. Another fun one is Ice Age. It's probably the only live action one in the, in it. At least if it, if, it, if it's not live action, they're very well done CG actors. Okay. Uh, I mean, it is a... one of the ones that's listed as having a cast. On the Wikipedia, so right, then yeah, it's a it's a young couple who move into an apartment and find a lost civilization living in their antique freezer. Oh yeah, that one looks pretty live action to me. I'm just looking yeah. at screenshots of it now. <laughs> Although a lot of CGI involved. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Lots <laughs> of CG involved, but it's it's again that's a fairly safe one. Uh, there's one called Shapeshifters, which is basically about dog soldiers. Yeah, it's the werewolf one, isn't it? Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, that one's got hyper-violence in it, though. <laughs> uh, that yeah, one, I, I mean, believe, was Marco Cluse? Maybe. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure on who, who did the one. I mean, it's an interesting list of authors, I have to say. Mm. Like, uh, I was very pleased to see Scalzi in the mix, because he does tend to write slightly more light-hearted stuff. I know he wrote the alternate histories one, which is the six different ways Adolf Hitler could have been killed. Yeah, and it's like the effects it would have on the world. Yeah. It's pretty good, that That's one. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious, because it is an episode of an anthology series that is itself an anthology of even yeah. shorter mini-stories. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, which is exactly what schools you would do. It's like... Oh, you're going to give me an episode of an anthology? Well, here's six in one episode. <laughs> so, what how what I would say is if there are specific, you know, search out the tags. Yeah, get the content warnings. Yeah, yeah, and then you know you could Google the episode to find some images, sort of thing. But if you don't want to watch them all like I did. Just pick and choose the ones that are you are intriguing to you because they are they're all really good, in my opinion, in their own right. And it is, as you yeah. said, it's an anthology. There is nothing that connects any of them, so it's no. a menu that you can pick from. Like I'm absolutely all... going to watch all the Schoolsy ones, and I'll watch the Alistair Reynolds ones because I I know I like their writing. They're all beautifully animated in their own right. Um, some of the CG in it is amazing. You know, it, it and and it really varies from what looks like uh hand drawn animation to you know to 
modern CG and stuff. It's just yeah. There's no. I, I don't think there's any deal made out of it. But I feel like it's like the Animatrix. You know, I feel like each story yeah. is done by a different animation studio. Yeah, it's very much got that thing to it, and um, the fact it's got. Uh, I think it's already been approved for a second season. So yeah, I heard it had been. So I would be very surprised if there wasn't more. Yeah. And um, yeah, I I. I highly recommend people seeing it if they've not seen it already because I said you can knock it out within it's like an hour, an hour or two because they are so short. And but I'll tell you what isn't short. No, oh, <laughs> that was a sad reverse segue. I know, right? Beep, beep, beep. But we have all witnessed the end. Of an over a decade long phenomenon that was the Infinity Saga of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Infinity is right. And opinions are held. <laughs> uh, put it that way. As, as listeners of this show may be familiar with the concept, there are differing opinions <laughs> on this panel. But for once, <laughs> It is not the world against Kyrie. I stand with you, Kyrie. This was a yes! bad film. It was bound to happen sooner <laughs> or later. Sooner or later, you were bound to have the right opinion on a film. Eventually, Marvel would sink low enough to fall below my standards. And they finally <laughs> did it. But Jack, you like the film, so why don't I you do. defend yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, don't know what, I don't know what to say. To say really, I mean, I went in there, you know, not knowing what to expect, what they were going to do with it. And can I, can I ask off the on the offset? Were you expecting Professor Hulk? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, that well, that's been a long time. Uh, teased that ending to the the free art free movie arc of the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, I remember having a conversation with you about it like a while yeah. ago, like before yeah. Infinity after War Ragnarok. even happened. It was after Ragnarok. Yeah, because I found that uh, I saw found an article about it about uh, Kevin Feige bringing in Mark Ruffalo to say, you know, we can't make a single Hulk film, but we can allude to your favorite Hulk storylines. Yeah, what you know, what is it you'd want to do? And this is how it came about. My only gripe with Professor Hulk is I would have liked to have seen it happen in film. Yes. It just kind of I get why they did it and how they got around it, but I would have liked to have seen it happen. Yeah. I I agree with that. I was quite pleased to see that happen because like whilst I think this is a bad movie and I walked away with a negative opinion, I'm not gonna say I hated everything in it. Uh, And Professor Hulk was one of the things I enjoyed in it. I found him weird and off putting. But that's kind of just how I felt about a lot of the characters in this. Just like, you're a bit weird now. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, for me, if it's because I'm a dad that it got to me more because it was really heavy on like the father-child relationships within this movie. So because we don't subscribe to your heteronormative lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I saw what they were trying to do with that, but... And it's, I don't think it's because I'm not a parent. I 
no, no, it I'm just not did saying... not land with me at all because it was contrasted that... against Tony Stark turning himself into a greater monster than Thanos is. I'm not. I'm not saying that's the defining factor, but it, a lot of probably... that hit home with me. Yeah, it, it probably you know? did play a big part in in how you felt about it. Look, yeah. I am someone who cries easily at films. Right. Uh, I have cried at a lot of the Marvel movies, like mm. uh, a lot of them, and these are not typically emotionally manipulative movies uh and this one evoked n- not a sniffle mm. it it felt so weightless to me it, it very much felt like it did not matter like it it just kind of felt like a fever dream <laughs> and you go wait that never re- didn't really fucking happen i mean it, it like, just wasn't... to me it felt like a collection of fan service sketches. Yes, yeah. and that they used time travel as a framework to do that. Like they went back and did their greatest hits, and set up all these moments to have these big fan servicey moments. And I'm like, there is a time for a collection of fan servicey fluff, but the dramatic conclusion of an over a decade long arc is not the time to do it. What are you doing? Yeah. How about this? Simon, what did you like in the movie? I liked Professor Hulk. Okay. Um, I thought the fan service they did, they did well. Like, I liked the scene of Cap stepping into the lift with Sing and the uh I absolutely the love that as bit. as a little nod to Civil War, we all know he can take every single person in that lift. Yeah. And I, I generally thought they were recreating that. Oh, sorry, Winter Soldier. Yeah. And and then they didn't. And we got that little nod to Hydra Steve in the comics with his yes. Hail Hydra. Which, which is like the most widely despised. But that's the thing. Spotlight. They did a little nod to it with him not being that. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, I, I'm honestly, I'm still on the fence about them including that <laughs> like that. Ooh. I personally saw it as a great idea because it was like he's using knowledge he has of the future. Oh no no, like, you know, from, like from a, from a, from the perspective in 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 uh, the movies, yes, absolutely. But from the filmmakers doing, that, <laughs> oh yeah, like, well yeah, they it was, it was a wink and a nod of we're not going to do that, but we know it happened. Oh geez, can yeah. you imagine, guys? Which I kind of and, like. like Acknowledge, but much much like the Deadpool three sixty game. Yeah, acknowledging yes. that you've done something dumb doesn't is not mean you the haven't same done as it. making yeah. up for it. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But uh, that scene I liked. Um, yeah, I right. I have to preface this by going, "Fuck you for the fat shaming jokes." Oh, okay. uh, yeah. If there was one in there that if it had just been that one joke, if it was just Rocket Raccoon's shitty joke, that's fine because he's an asshole. Yep, but they yeah. did it repeatedly. But I liked the concept of Thor struggling. I liked the concept of a god uh, suffering from trauma. Um, yeah. And I really, really liked his conversation with his mother. Um, yeah. As a Thor fan, that was hugely impactful and the the bit funny enough the bit in the movie that came closest to evoking a tear from me is when he holds out his hand and Mjolnir comes to him and he goes I'm still worthy yeah I liked that yeah um oh yeah I liked where are you going I'm off to kill Thanos uh again perfect Carol Danvers <laughs> yeah 
Um, I like I get email from a raccoon, so you know, weird is a kind of a different scale for me now. Um, man, what else did I like? Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, not a lot else. Those are the bits that come back to me. That oh, Korg playing Fortnite. Taika Waititi is always good. And that okay. was that was good. But a lot of the rest of it, I oh, it made me angry. Carrie, was there anything you liked? Not one bit. There is nothing <laughs> at all to save this movie in my eyes. It was, for me, just fucking abysmal. Like we're having we were having a conversation coming out of the film where it's just like you know what you know this bit was wasn't great and this bit wasn't great but like and this bit was really shit but oh and i forgot about that bit oh jesus like you know what it was terrible and i was like oh yeah hang on a minute the more i think about it the longer i dwell on it the more i'm like i legitimately cannot think of a single bit in that at all that made me go yeah this was this was a well thought out plan from the filmmaker's perspective lord knows what the fucking well thought out plan was for the fucking avengers because they won't tell us how fucking time travel works in this universe all they will tell us is how time travel doesn't work they will just keep coming up with different examples of how time travel doesn't work and then go so we won't do it like that but tell us how it does work in this thing so that we understand the concept of where your plot is going. Oh. Yeah, so I was watching yeah. The Flash earlier, the DCU show. Yep. Um, and now there so, is a show that. that does time travel consistently and does it consistently well because <laughs> it has yep. well laid out rules for how time travel works. Uh, this, right, this film used time travel as a last-minute ass-pull deus ex machina, and it still didn't know what it was doing with time travel. If we lived in an alternate universe where you went back and you watched Thor Dark World, and there was just a blink and you'll miss it in the background shot of Rocket running away from security in the background, and they'd set this up all along, this could have been the most genius thing they'd ever done. Yeah. But there isn't. Because they explicitly had a whole bullshit scene where they were like, yeah, we're going to do a bunch of time travel and change the events of all the films we've already had, but it won't actually change them because that's not how time travel works. I'm like, so none of this matters then, is what you're saying? If it doesn't affect the timeline that you're in, what you're basically saying is you get infinite goes at this. Yeah. Well, at first you don't get infinite goes because you only have a limited amount of... Or, or more to the point, particles. you get to create a, a limitless number of alternate universes in which everyone's life is fucked irretrievably thanks to you. Yeah. Good job, heroes. Um, and it's... Like, to, to begin with, in their own, like... They have to impose a limitation on themselves as writers to basically write, okay, uh, we're getting giving them time travel. Well, time travel's a bit overpowered. How do we limit their ability to time travel? I know. They have to use pin particles to do it. There is only a limited amount of pin particles. Great. Okay. Cool. You're not going to explain how the time travel itself, like, how the paradox system works, but fine. If you're going to put a limitation on it, great. And they did actually establish that um, in Ant-Man. Right. Okay. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and all that, I didn't... Okay, yeah, uh, the whole the quantum uh, quantum, quantum realm. realm 
uh, time working differently there and requiring pin particles to get into it. That's yeah. all established. That actually that's, wasn't that's, that's introduced what... for this film. No, no, no. I mean, I mean things like the paradox problems. And it was but... the it was the lack of resolution of paradoxes that did it for me. But but what fucks it up there is one of the things they can do when they go back in time is get more pin particles. Yep. So you use pin particles to go back in time to get pin particles, and you can just completely keep doing that. Do you remember the fucking which which Star Trek film was it? Where was it? Uh, oh, the, the the next gen, the first of the next gen ones with with Malcolm McDowell in it. Oh, uh, that was the the crossover one, Generations. Yeah. Generations, where they someone goes back in time and chooses to go back in time to the absolute most. Like difficult time to do something. Yes, <laughs> right. It's that, right? You get infinite goes at this. <laughs> do something, but like, what is wrong? With, I mean, okay, not what is wrong with, but like, why doesn't anyone give more thought to fucking Rhodey's idea? Just find Thanos as a baby. But they established that that you you can't change the present by changing the past. Why not? Because. That's the, the one thing that they said. It will just create a branching timeline. Like I said, they've made a limitless number of timelines in which it's fucked up for everyone else. Right, okay. So all you, all you would do by doing that is you'd create a, a happy timeline for yourself, but the timeline in which Thanos did the snap and everyone died already happened. And so that universe with that version of you in it is there and still sad. But this is still true of whatever resolution they come up with, as far as I can tell. So you can give a happy ending to some people, or a happy ending to no people. Except they don't give a happy ending to some people, they give a exactly. awful ending to everyone. Because that's what made me most angry about this film, right? I'm just going to lay on the line my biggest complaint about this movie. Tony Stark is the greatest mass murderer in the MCU. Because not only does this plan create all these other timelines in which awful things happen to everyone, but his snap bringing everyone back after five years... Killed Hulk's billions. Hmm? Hulk's one. Um, the Hulk's uh, one who brought everyone back. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. The Hulk is the greatest mass murderer in the MCU. <laughs> yep. Sorry, no, Tony just killed Thanos. That's fine. And all of Thanos's And all of uh, Thanos's people. That's actually that's yeah. fine. He's still a mass murderer. Yes. Right? But he, we can't we can't ignore that. He's he's still a mass murderer, but actually Hulk is the true supervillain here. You're right. It's Professor Hulk is the greatest mass murderer in the MCU, and he mm -hmm. is a monster. Because, first of all, there's the thing of if you bring everyone back at uh, as they were when they were snapped out of existence, then you have to account for everyone who was driving. Um, their car is no longer there and they just appear in the middle of a busy freeway. Or they were on a plane and they just appear 30,000 feet up and plummet to their death. Or uh, this is universe-wide, so maybe they were doing some space travel and they just appear in the vacuum of space and die. But even if you assume that's all fine... And that's a stretch. But even if you assume Hulk accounted for that and everyone was brought back safely on the ground or whatever, five years have passed. That means five years for the infrastructure and economy of every planet to adjust to half the population. So you're talking about food output, medicine output, infrastructure, uh, has all reduced down to the point where it supports half of life. Now, if you imagine half of life on Earth disappears overnight, farming at the moment as it stands or it produces a surplus as it is. 
it would become untenable to maintain farming at this rate with half a workforce and half a market. So we would produce less food. We would produce less electricity because there's less demand. Overnight, you double the dependency on the resources, all resources in the universe. And funnily enough, it comes back to what Thanos was saying about universes and population. You double the demands on every piece of infrastructure in the entire universe. People don't just fade out into dust. They die slowly of starvation and crippling diseases. It's he subjects them all to a long and painful death, and there's no mention of these consequences anywhere in this although, fucking although, movie. Although that said, the Russos did really shoot themselves in the foot when uh, after Infinity War when they pointed out something, and then everyone went, "Wait a minute, that's really dumb, right?" Which is Thanos's snap didn't mm. just remove half the like beings, yeah, in the world. It right, it removed half of everything. Every which, living which they, which they meant, which they said, like the Russo said, includes the resources. Basically, he just fifty percented everything, and I'm like, well, if you that doesn't solve the problem in the that, first that, place. That, that just makes the problem the same. But even if you ignore that, the there would be a massive <laughs> crop collapse anyway, and a massive yeah. infrastructural collapse anyway. Um. And Suddenly, yeah, we've got twice as much food. But we only <coughs> we don't have the means to get all that food to the people because we've been been only doing it for half the people for five fucking years. Yeah, and and also, this produces a weird, weird question I have about Far From Home, which is right. They're at school. Five years have passed. Shouldn't half of them have graduated by now? They all. Yeah. Well, they all got snapped. Oh, did they all get snapped? How fucking convenient for the story <laughs> yeah. writers. It, yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole point. Every character who got snapped is a character that they needed to not age. And doesn't that strike you as fucking bullshit? <laughs> yeah, like, it's like here yeah. in this school, this entire year, and their teachers all got snapped in a fifty-fifty lottery. I'm like, what are you well, maybe talking not all, about? But like all the main characters, at least, which is only like in in Spider-Man is only like what the math team. Yeah, so that's only like what six people. Of, Something like, like that. I, I agree. I agree. It's really, really like clumsy writing and all that yeah. stuff. But you know, it's it's not the most egregious, heinous bit of writing. No, it in... kind of is. If what you've <laughs> written is something that just has to be hand waved away by every movie that comes after it in this franchise to make that movie work, that's incredibly clumsy. Mm. It's ah, oh, such a bullshit ending. It felt. For one, it felt so inconsequential because in the movie it's presented as it's, you know, snap, it's all fine now. And we did it with time travel. So there were no real consequences to us setting this up anyway. Um, the only real weight is the big battle at the end, which includes the massively unearned girl power scene where every woman on the battlefield happened to be stood within like 10 feet of each other at the all same moment. Uh, and despite anything. not knowing each other or having talked to each other by and large throughout the entire franchise, all then do the stand shoulder to shoulder, she won't be doing it alone, except that it's Captain Marvel, the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe, who then proceeds to mostly do it on her own whilst they have a fight near her. Yeah. Um, that scene on, on, was on... just the most unearned bit of representation I've ever seen in a Marvel on, on movie. On that same note, on that same note... <laughs> It, it was really clumsily done. 
what I really like about the like the um the climax to Black Panther, yeah, is that basically you've got all this like massive fighting going on, but the really important thing is going on in the lab with Shuri. Yes, right. Shuri's a great character. Yep. Would you would you describe her as a frontline infantry fighter? I would describe her as someone who desperately wants to be. Yes, agreed. And there was no one around telling her no. Mantis. <laughs> no. Right? right. She has some really cool powers. She stops Thanos by like sneaking up on him, and doing doing her her empathy control stuff. Right. Yeah. Cool. Not necessarily. Not everyone has not to a be soldier. a frontline fighter. Exactly. But not they're all soldier. there on the front line, kicking yep. ass. And I'm like, I agree. Completely That's... agree. It was just throwing oh. in every woman we've got for the sake of it. Yeah. Apart from obviously Nat, because we killed her. Uh, for no razor. For no razor. Here's a, here's another thing, right? Nebula. Yeah. Nebula knows how the Soul Stone works, yep. right? She didn't tell them shit. No. I mean, Nebula's kind of an asshole, so that's fine. She, right, okay. I actually, no. Kind I, of an asshole. Right, right. Five I've years. thought of another bit I liked. Oh. I didn't like the outcome. But I found the characters of Hawkeye and Black Widow, as they have been established in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, fighting over which one of them gets to actually follow through on their death wish was actually quite funny. I'm not for sure me, that scene was... was meant to be funny, but it was <laughs> funny to me. For me, it was just like, God, I hope they both go over the fucking I mean, edge. I really wanted Hawkeye to go, because apparently he spent his five-year holiday murdering people of colour, which is, you know, that's, <laughs> that's cool. He uh, just went and murdered a bunch of Mexicans and Japanese people, and I'm like, wow, no wonder you got the racist haircut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did like the idea. I've got to admit, I did like the summary someone put in there, which is just like, man, it must have really sucked when his fucking barber got Thanos snapped halfway, halfway through doing his fucking haircut. <laughs> So yeah, that happened. Um, uh, so I guess we're not getting that Black Widow standalone movie, or if we are, it'll be I mean, a prequel. It, it, yeah. it, I mean, I was always going to assume it was going to be a, a prequel. Um, fucking, what's the word? Like an origin movie? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. What else is there? <laughs> also, like, right. So yeah, Nebula. She is kind of an asshole. That's kind of why we like her, but. A, she's not that much of an asshole, and B, after five I mean, maybe years she just doesn't them, like Nat and Clint. I mean, that's I, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I can't put that past her. It would be very hypocritical of me to, to say otherwise. Also, I, I know we've already talked about the fact of doing like changing the past by killing someone in the past doesn't affect the future, but she straight up shoots herself from the past. Yeah. That's gotta be some kind of fucking repercussion. Not in the Marvel way of doing time travel. Apparently, shooting your past self is just fine. It's like right the classic time travel trope of killing your ancestor or self, and thereby I've, killing yourself. Now, I've not a only problem. ever seen I have only ever seen that done once, right, in something else, and it was done for essentially comedic effect, which is the one of the in forty k, in the Orc Codex. There is an orc special character who basically finds himself accidentally flung back in time and meets himself from the past. And his first reaction is he kills himself from the past and then goes, great, now I've got two of my favorite gun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's played for comedy. And with orcs, you can totally like hand wave and go, fine, cool, whatever. But there are consequences here. No, there aren't. There should be. 
But there those should aren't. be. This is supposed to be taken like I get it's a it's a pretendy fun time movie, but it's supposed to be taken seriously at this point. Also, like Zoe keeps saying, she feels really bad for the guy who ended up marrying Agent Carter in the series because apparently yes. that didn't work out for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's just gonna get. He's he's had his whole life retconned out yep. now. But of all the right, of all of Steve's fucking transgressions going into the past. <laughs> I don't you think Ru- back to being a disabled Italian American veteran in the fifties. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that'll work out well for him. But for me, it's just fucking the idea of Steve in the fifties and sixties sitting there at home, going, "I'm still Captain America. I've still got like super strength and all this, that, and the other. I know where Bucky is right now, <laughs> being tortured, being mind controlled. I hadn't even considered that. Oh Jesus." Man, my thumb is looking very, very comfortable right now. Let me just sit on that bad boy. <laughs> I had not even considered yeah. that. Also, it'd be like, hey, Steve, uh, it's it's the it's the 60s, and oh, man, President Kennedy is going to go to Dallas today. Well, I hope he has a lovely time. I get that he doesn't want to change history, but for fuck's sake. I hadn't thought of any of that, but you make yeah. a fair point. He knows what Hydra is doing at every given... He could stop civil war from happening by stopping Bucky killing fucking Howard Stark. Oh, Jesus, this is all true. That's why I'm laughing. I hadn't even considered all the ramifications of Steve Rogers living his entire life with perfect knowledge of what every villain was up to and just ignoring it. That is that is beautiful. And again, not even, not even every villain. Not like the big stuff. Hydra. Hydra, yes, his thing, and also Bucky, just like, yes. Jesus, yeah. So that happened. I right, that's lowered my opinion of the movie, and it wasn't it's, great. It lowered to start my opinion. With. Of, it's fucking lowered my opinion of Steve. I can tell you yeah. that now. But Jack, you liked it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. I like it. Free to expand on that I, opinion. It, I was happy with how it went. Cool. That's I'm, good. That is good. You know? Okay. I, I guess, yeah. like, I, I'm not in any way, I'm never going to shit on anyone who did enjoy it. Like, as I have said, this movie was full of fan service. Yes. And if that's what you want from it, they, it delivered. And it, there are worse reasons to wrong. Like film. It's not in, it's not to be like, the number one in my favorite Marvel lists. No, at any at any no. point. Sort of thing. <laughs> but they had one line together. For me, I was happy with it. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's what you... I I I fully acknowledge all the issues. Yeah, you know, I I I fully film. aware these things exist. Yeah, but. Is there anything a, that Curry and I have said day, that you movie. would violently disagree with? What's that? No, is there uh, anything that we've said that you would dis- take issue with? Um, it's not. A tr- don't worry, it isn't a trick question. No, We're not going to be like, "Aha!" I mean, they do explain the type how the time travel works in this in their world. Don't get me wrong; there is a scene. Mm. Where the immortal one talks to Hulk about how it works. I, I know not, that there is a scene. Yeah. Not not how the time. It does works. not explain anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like how that's how the, the Infinity Stones 
Well, no, it, it, it's the thing of the timeline you're in becomes <laughs> your timeline. Yes, and so, so the so, conversation there is about how yeah. the reason they have to put the Infinity Stones back afterwards yeah. is because the Infinity Stones were there when Thanos went to look for them. Yeah, And if they are not there, it will create a branching timeline mm. in which her timeline will be destroyed because they won't have the Soul Stone to protect it. No. But if they snap everything back to normal, thereby condemning billions to a slow and lingering death, and then come back and put the stones back before Thanos finds them, mm. then your two divergent timelines snap back together because there is no longer a temporal inconsistency. Yeah. Uh, that's the theory that they explain. Yeah. But going back and putting the stones back doesn't change the fact that Cap had a fight with Cap in 2012 that never happened, and Loki got away, which never happened, and all of the other inconsistencies that they created. But it's fine, because I guess in all of those parallel universes, the Soulstone got put back. I, I've got to say as well, someone did point out that in every... Like, Loki's appearances are just... He has two uh, motivations. Die or steal the Tesseract? Yes. For <laughs> one, Loki dies. Avengers, Loki steals the Tesseract. For two, Loki dies. Ragnarok, Loki. Uh, was it? Uh, not, yeah, Ragnarok, Loki steals the Tesseract. Uh, Infinity War, Loki dies. Endgame, <laughs> Loki steals the Tesseract. I, I just love that there were two characters that everyone was like, okay, the snap, if you undo the snap, then you get most people back, but Loki and, and uh, Gamora, Gamora are gone for yeah. good. And then they're like, oh, it's time travel. We got spares. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, we can have, now we can have Loki, agent of Asgard. But um, I, do, I do love one of the things that have come out from it, though, in that in Steve going back to return the stones, that means he had to ret he returned to Vormir. Yes. He had to meet Red Skull. And he had to see Red Skull. And, and I saw a wonderful um, imagining of how that might happen, where he'd been photoshopped into those scenes. With the whole, you know, he does the son of whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, is it the Steve Rogers, Rogers son of a bitch, you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quite enjoyed. Yeah. I also just. I've seen like, a variety of comics. Oh, speaking of things that make no fucking sense, when it's like. <laughs> We're just you're impressed because he knows your father's name? Well, I never did. Then how do you know he's right? He could have said any fucking name! <laughs> He probably did. <laughs> He's just a Nazi piece of shit. He's probably fucking with you. That was another of those scenes that I was sitting in the cinema resisting the urge to go, what, when it happened? Because <laughs> it made no sense. Is is this like the fucking The Crow, where he like sticks the knives in in, in, in alphabetical order? How do like, you know <laughs> they will put it in alphabetical order? <laughs> <laughs> It's oh, it's one of those things that sounds cool as a line, and then you think about the implications for a moment. And yeah. you, you worked on this script for a long time, Russo. You should have thought about this for a moment. Does he say daughter of Ivan? Yes. Yeah. So a pretty I mean, common name. That's like flipping a fucking coin. Ivan is literally <laughs> the 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 Russian version of the name John. Yep. Right. That's a pretty solid punt in a fairly. Open field in terms there. of your cold reading techniques. 
From a, and that from a fucking man called Johann Schmidt, which is the German version of John Smith, for fuck's sake. Oh, Christ of a fucking bendy bus. But, right. I'm, I'm going to put that this is an entirely biased thing, right? Because I am a big old Stucky head. I, I love my Steve Bucky. They had no scenes together. <laughs> well, no, no, no. They, they, they had one, one scene. They had, they had one scene which was kind of nice, I quite liked, um, which, which was the sort of the little Farewell. touchback to First Avenger, which is the don't do anything stupid till I get back. You know, how can I, you're taking all the stupid with you. Yeah. I like that. It, it's like the whole end of the line. It's like the, yeah. you know, it's like the little touchbacks. I quite like that. But Steve goes off into the past and re-emerges as an old man. Played by a very not looking like Chris Evans actor. <laughs> it was Chris it Evans. It was Chris Evans. It does not look anything like him. It is like Chris him. Evans. They I'm s- so confused. He's got makeup. prosthetics and CG. There's, there's, there's makeup and prosthetics to make you look old, and there's makeup and prosthetics to make you look like someone else who's been aged up. Doesn't <laughs> like, I'm so confused. Like, what a weird direction to go I in. I thought the effects were okay there. Not, not stellar. Really? They weren't as good as the de-aging they did on Clark Gregg and Samuel L. Jackson for Captain Marvel, but they yes. were okay. Yeah. But it's just the fact that it made him look... I, I get people look different when they get older. Yes, they do. But, but not that radically fucking different. Unless he's gone through some weird shit in the past. Like, I don't know. Anywho, then he's there and he's, you know, old and he's like, well, I'm retiring as Captain America now that I'm 98, which begs the question, holy shit, he was Captain America. <laughs> I think I know that. where this is going. And he gives his shield to Sam, which I'm really happy about. Cool. They're going with the Falcon Captain America thing. He, like, Sam is the new Captain America, but he doesn't give up the Falcon shtick. I like that in the comics because it's Captain America, but he has a fucking jetpack. Yeah. Like, how do and you it make also means cooler? that we can now have the MCU Falcon and the MCU Spidey do that scene between Sam Cap and Spidey. You could talk to birds, right? Yeah, sure, whatever. Not too late to so, drop you, you know. <laughs> what if you found out that every bald eagle was a communist? Would you like, tell America? <laughs> that could destroy the country. But it's the fact that he's, he, he sits there and he talks to, to, he talks to Sam and he gives him the shield. And I, I will okay. You know what? The, the, how you know? How does it feel? Yeah. Oh, like it belongs to someone else. And it's just I like this kind of bonding thing there because I re- also really love their dynamic, Sam and Steve. You don't get enough of that because they got together as like an interesting duo in Winter Soldier, and then all the movies started getting to become clusterfucks with too many characters in them after that. So they didn't have a lot of chance to bond after that. But to the detriment of Bucky, yeah. who is standing five feet yep. away and doesn't do or say anything. And Steve has nothing to say to him. Why? If it, like, if it was... F- fucking hell. If this was Whedon, I would understand. But it's the Russos. Like, the, the Winter Soldier guys. I mean, there may have been a scene there that got cut for time. God knows it was long enough. Yes, absolutely. But for the love of God, we, we can, if you're gonna uh, give us some sort of emotional depth to this story. Oh my God. There's a lot of stuff as well from like 
behind the scenes that I don't know if it's just rumor mongering or whatnot. But are, are you guys aware of like some of the stuff that's been coming out about the whole trying to keep the uh, any potential leaks under wraps? And yeah, the most interesting part of that I heard was when Tom Holland said he didn't even know he was filming a funeral scene for the funeral yeah. scene. Yeah, he told him it was a wedding. Yeah, so they're all in suits. And it's very obviously a funeral in the shot. But yes. the, the rumour is it was composited together from multiple separate shots of just characters in formal wear who didn't know what the occasion they were attending was. Yep. Uh, I, I believe another one as well is uh, Brie Larson. Um, it, her scenes in the big climactic fight at the end, you know, hi Peter Parker, that, yep. that thing. Yep. She was literally just given her lines with everything else blanked out. Was she, the scene, she filmed, took it off her, and then she was escorted off set. She, she filmed all her Infinity War and Endgame stuff before she filmed Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah, the, the, yeah. those were the first scenes yeah. she'd ever done with the MCU. Uh, and she was about to do a big solo picture that was going to come out. This, this makes sense to me, because she was literally going to go on to film the big solo picture that was going to come out immediately before Endgame. So she was okay. going to be on her own, an inexperienced in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe actress, yeah. who has never dealt with this level of press attention before, doing a huge media circus. Um, and, yeah, I, I would want her to go on and do that, knowing as little as possible about Endgame. Fine, but she's an actress. Yes. She has to know the, 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 the context of what she's saying. She needs to know enough context to get the emotional read right. She doesn't need to know the details. Like, we don't know how much she was directed. I mean, it's the Russos, so I'm assuming not. They give direction. Like, we, we don't know the context of it, but I would certainly want to send her off into the press circus with as little potential spoiler knowledge it, in her head as possible. It just, I feel, like goes a long way to explain why a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the scenes and a lot of the characters in Endgame just felt like they didn't care. Yeah, yeah. I agree if they're with that. only being given a part of the I mean, if it is just Brie Larson and just because of that reason, fair enough. But if it's multiple actors... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Tom Holland as well because you know what he's like. I keep hearing I, I, you know what he's like, but I've honestly, I don't know... Oh, like, Jesus, what, I'm going to find is, I'm going to find a compilation. Like, like right, Tom is Holland the is amazing. To the point that someone put up a tweet about Tom Holland accidentally leaking the movie online. Yes. And he was like, he did was I? Like, <laughs> um, so when he did his press tour like I'm aware of the jokes I just don't know like the origin of the meme as it so were. when he did his press tour for Spider-Man uh, and well no more for Infinity War they never let him go alone they sent Benedict Cumberbatch with him as a minder because Tom kept answering questions because he's just uh... he's just very nice and so you ask him a question and he'll answer it so interviewers he's, kept he's asking him questions, and then Benedict would sort of lean across him and go, I'll field that one, Tom, as Tom opened his mouth to spoil the whole movie. Oh my god, I just realised. Do you remember um, Tony Stark in uh, Civil War, the, the comic, not the, mm. the, the movie, um, training Spider-Man on how to answer questions yes, from the press? they did that for real, but with Benedict rather than Stark. It's like, Peter... Do you know what the time is? Yes, yeah, 3.30. No, Peter, do you know what the time is? Yeah, it's 3.30. Peter, do you know what the time is? Yes. 
There you go. Now you can answer questions from the press. Yep. It was exactly that. He was just way too enthusiastic and he kept wanting to talk about the movie. So they had to have Benedict there to sort of just literally, literally in some interviews, put a hand over his mouth to stop him talking. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Uh, so... I, like, I like this, uh, them currently touring, promoting Far From Home. And uh, they were on Jimmy Kimmel and... You know, this is what it came out about the the funeral scene, all that kind of stuff, and just Zendaya going, yeah, it's really hard to read your lines when you can't read them. Yeah, the Far From Home script was just so many bits were just blacked out because mm. it had all the end game spoilers in it. And that's the thing is just like when you're working that hard to protect your film from being spoiled to the detriment, you are of spoiling the film, the film in a different way. Yeah, it's it's really just oh, I think we've reached peak fucking spoiler culture yeah, now. I agree wholeheartedly. <clears throat> but at least it gives an explanation for why Carol felt a little off here and there. Yeah, I, and it's honestly, like maybe... she was as in character as possible with the "I'm just going to go and kill Thanos." Then moment yeah. was just what, perfect. What a concept! Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> In fairness, she probably could if they'd let her go. Well, I mean, they did when they tried. It just it didn't fix anything. They didn't the first time. Not the first time, but the second time was. <laughs> That's because Thor knew to go for the head. Yeah, exactly. Because you get gleaned that information from the past. Um, but yeah, I think maybe maybe from now on, filmmakers should try and make good films rather than rely on big plot twists to make the film great. That way, if people. People spoil a film that doesn't have a big plot twist, but it's just really good. I will say, like, if I knew that Tony Stark died, but the scenes dealing with his death had felt more emotionally resonant, it might have been a better film for me than not knowing that Tony Stark died, but the scenes dealing with the impact of his death being really weird. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Did I mean... I am absolutely the wrong person to go to the litmus test of do you care if Tony Stark died? Because it's fucking Tony Stark. Of course I didn't care that he died. Fucking hate that motherfucker. Man, I was getting choked up when fucking Nora died, who was the guest character for season four in The Flash. Spoilers. Um, Obviously, spoilers for Endgame, but I'm not sure if people expected a spoiler for The Flash in a conversation of Endgame. Wait, hang on. Nora, what's the last name? Alan. Oh, Oh, okay, cool. I'm really... I was really confused because, like, I'm watching Legends of no, Tomorrow. No, not Nora Dart, the... no. Right, okay, cool. Uh, Nora cool, West right. Allen, um, Barry and Iris's daughter who travels back in time and causes and then resolves the entirety of season four of The Flash. Right. Basically, they'd had Barry go back and cause a crisis point too many times. That's, that's so Barry they had do. Barry's daughter come back to now and cause one of her own, uh, which is quite a fun way of doing it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was her final scene that we watched today, and I was like, this is more emotionally impactful to me than after 11 years of fucking Tony Stark. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely... If you want to see an enormous CGI fight with, like, all of the MCU characters in it, then Infinity War has you covered. It, it does And do Endgame, what... I guess, also features that. As I say, Endgame does do what Civil War tried to do, but on a much grander scale with the big fight scene at the end. Oh, I do love the meme of the Defenders from the Netflix shows 
in the corridor, <laughs> yes, Captain. Like... Don't worry, I'm sure the portal will be opening any minute now. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other characters. Did Drax get a line? I don't think he got a single line. Yeah. I can't remember any. I think he got a line at the end when for um Oh when he's when they're on the ship. Yes. Setting yeah. up as guardians of the galaxy. Yes. I'm also Oh, you know what? No, hang on. Yes, I'm happy that they did something really obvious. There is one thing I liked in this film. What's that? Right. Uh, what I like is that they didn't do Asgard Okla fucking Homer. Right, yeah. Is it Asgard, Oklahoma in the comments? It is, yes. Yeah, new, yeah. new, new Asgard, yeah. Right? Because in, in uh, fucking Ragnarok, they're so aiming to go, this could be Asgard, looking around in Norway and going, ah, Norway, beautiful Norway. And Odin says, oh, you know, Asgard is a people. This could be Asgard here in Norway. And I'm like, if after all of fucking this... If if Endgame gives us Asgard, <laughs> Oklahoma, I'm going to be very pissed. Off. Actually, that was another thing I liked. Um, in my list of things I did like, I liked Thor leaving Valkyrie in charge of Asgard. I yes. liked that a lot. Um, because one, I want Valkyrie elevated as a character. Two, I want her sticking around. And three, I like that concept of Thor moving on. Of Where the Thor... fuck is this, though? Where is Sif? That is a really good question. Uh, she didn't die when Hela took over. She, she, she wasn't, wasn't there. there. The, the Warriors 3 all got fucking stomped. They but did. we did not see Sif die. Um, Sif we haven't seen Sif snapped. Uh, we haven't seen Sif since she was in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV. Um, so is she going to turn up in Loki Agent of Asgard? Hopefully. I, I fucking hope so. Um, that would be good. We'll see. But uh, seeing Valkyrie sticking around as the new ruler of Asgard and seeing Thor go travelling to find himself, you can get some really good Thor storylines out of that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm psyched for that. Some good Thorry lines. What were some good highlights from someone who actually liked the film? What were your favourite bits, Jack? I mean, yeah, that... All... All the Thor stuff I loved, with, with him seeing his mother and him with Valkyrie at the end, uh, even just him on on the ship with uh, the Guardians about who's the leader. That was quite fun. Bit, and, and it's setting yeah. up the dynamic for Guardians 3, I hope. Yeah. Um, I like Professor Hulk. You know, I liked a lot of his stuff. I got, I got to admit the 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 him having to pretend to be uh, Hulk in twenty twelve. Oh, he's like smashing the car. And yeah, like punches the car. I, my brain just went. Oh look, it's Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you could you could take that scene and just <laughs> impose the him going. Ah, look, I'm an ogre from Shrek. On you it, could. Be like, that yeah. would work. Yeah. I liked when he saw when he went to see the Agent One, and he not she knocks him out of himself. yeah kicking Bruce out of the Hulk was yeah. quite cool. I'll give you that. What I would have liked to seen though is for Hulk to have woken up. Hmm. Because that would have been interesting. The two yeah. personalities, you know, I get that they are one and the same at this point with with Professor Hulk, 
but that that would have been an interesting thing to see them. They could have answered the separate. question: Are they one and the same once they've been knocked out of each other? Exactly. It would have it would have made the whole him already being together better for me. Mm. You know, because obviously, like I said, we didn't get to see it happen. And also, no, 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 Hulk, you take the stairs. Okay, I thought that stairs. I like okay, that. <laughs> I liked, I liked the whole thing of you know, uh, you know, it's like the whole thing of Tony going, kick, you know, kill me essentially, you know, give me a heart attack. Mm. Oh yeah, with with the uh, Ant Man and the yeah. yeah, and I've just been reminded of another bit I did quite like, and it's just a little throwaway, but it's when Cap is fighting Cap. Yeah. But it's it is twenty twelve. Yeah, doing the I can do this all day and it just cuts back to our Steve going, Yeah, I know, buddy, I know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I also I do like as well when he spots him, the first thing he says is, Oh, I've got eyes on Loki. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is yeah. This yeah. film establishes that Loki turns into Cap for fun way more than has been previously established. It happens at the top of the tower, doesn't it? So yep. it's like yep. yeah. It's um, not just that one scene that we already knew about. It's it's now a habit rather than one thing that happened. Speak actually speaking of bringing things back, yeah, like little 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 references regarding Cap coming back. How do you guys feel about Steve and Mjolnir? I liked it. I get it. It's complete fan wank, you know. But I liked the fact that they they. They took that 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 fan speculation from that scene, yeah, and went with it. Uh, speaking as a Thor fan, I liked it too. Thanks for reminding me. That's another thing I actually liked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was actually it, really good. I knew it. <coughs> I, I don't like that the Russos have now J.K. Rowling style word of God. Oh, he could have lifted it before, but he didn't want to because he. He respected Thor and didn't want to damage yeah. his pride. Well, and I'm I mean, like, oh, shut the fuck up. They kind of put it in the text. Ref- they well, they did sort of in um, uh, Ultron. Mm. Like he, like when he goes to lift the hammer, it does. It moves. Yeah. It, it moves. And, and, and that's the thing. It right, it's there, and you can headcanon that however you want. You can it, headcanon yeah, it as what, he's I, almost worthy, or you can headcanon it that he felt it move and went, oh no, don't want to upset Thor. Absolutely. The thing I object to is the word of Godding. Right. Okay. They're coming back after the fact and going, well, well, actually, he absolutely could have, but I don't care. Like, you put it in the movie the way you put it in the movie. Let me interpret that the way I want to. The author is I dead. Mean, Shut up. I mean, yeah. canonically, in the comics, it happens. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah oh, no, so, so, so it yeah. makes sense that it would, even, if it, even if they hadn't had that scene from Ultron, it would have made sense yeah. for that. I mean, I mean if, I, if I remember correctly, Mjolnir gets really weirdly picky about the people that it considers worthy because doesn't Red Skull's daughter get Mjolnir for a while? She gets a hammer. Oh, is it yeah. not Mjolnir? It's just... Uh, was, it might have been Stormbreaker. I think during Fear itself, there were a bunch of evil hammers. Oh, yes, because Namor yeah. got one, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Okay, and I never, think it was mind. during Sorry, Fear yeah. itself. I think she got one of the evil hammers. Um, okay, cool. But, yeah, I, I did also like the scene with Thor and Cap swapping hammers with it. No, you take the little one. So it's like, yeah. no, I want the big one. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I don't know why that doesn't sit so well with me, the, the Steve swinging Mjolnir around. Like, I liked the little reference in Ultron. Like, the, again, you could just, you could interpret that any way you like. But the fact that they sort of turned this one little, this one little snapshot of, of fan, uh, fan service 
and then just turn it into a giant set piece at the end of Civil War that like mm. the entire at the end of uh, Endgame where like the entire crux of it is essentially built on his ability to do that because if he couldn't he wouldn't be able to go back in time. I'm kind of the other way. I, I wish we'd seen actually more of Thor's powers coming out of Steve because let's not forget yeah. the inscription yeah, yeah, yeah. is whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. So technically yeah. at that point Steve had flight. Steve had all sorts fucking going on, but he just did a little bit of lightning. Yeah. Isn't the thing as well that, like, I, I don't know if it's just for Odinson, but, like, shouldn't, when he picked it up and it chose him, shouldn't, like, a big fucking red cape have appeared and a winged <laughs> That's helmet? That's the costume of Thor. It's the power of Thor, but, not the outfit of no, no, Thor. When, when right, in the first Thor film, the, the, the um, fucking, the, the Kenneth Branagh one, when he picks up the hammer, his costume comes back. Yes. Because he was in his civvies up until then, and then he picks up the hammer finally is able to pick it up. He's now proven himself worthy. Boom, he gets the costume. In the comics, I believe, when he, you know, dons the hammer and the lightning and all that sort of stuff, then the costume appears. Same with um, when when Jane was was Thor. Mm. She gets the costume. So surely Steve should have gone all like, you know. Technically, even Beta Ray Bill got the winged helmet and the cape. But yeah. yeah. So Captain Asgard, I'm just saying. You know. That would have been neat, but I I feel like that there is a very yeah, small subset dumb. of the audience who would have been yeah. super into that moment. Yeah. But there is a very <laughs> large subset of the audience who would have gone, the fuck? Yeah. So they probably wanted I, to avoid the what the fuck moment. I also like the fact they didn't de-tubby fall when he powered up. You know, when he, when he finally... When he got into his battle outfit. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of kind of hate the Tubby Thor thing, but yeah. I'm, I am glad they didn't then make it go away and make him become an idealized self magically. Yeah, I do agree with you there. There. Yeah. I, I wish they'd done it. They'd done more to play that for drama rather yes, than Yes, if they played it straight, yeah. great. And like I said, you could have left in Rocket's shitty joke. That's in character, but doing the whole thing for laughs was just awful. Like. This is this is a thing where it's like this is as much the audience's fault as it is the fucking filmmakers. But literally every time Thor appeared, he didn't need to do or say anything. Every time he appeared, the audience laughed when I was in the yep, cinema. Same here. And I'm like, but I, what what are we? What are you guys laughing? I don't understand what the the joke is here. And, and the joke it, is, oh, he's it's so uncomfortable. A little, he's got a dad bod. That's the joke. Yeah, and I'm like, that's that's not a joke. No, that's but it is to this so audience. It's again, it is as much the audience's fault as it is the filmmakers. Except like, that the... Well, that... no, the filmmakers invite no, no, no. it. The first thing they do is make a fat-shaming joke about it. Yeah. And then that okay. sets the tone. So then you're right, expected okay. to find it funny. Whereas if they'd played it dramatically up front, you wouldn't have primed the audience to laugh every time they see it. Right. Okay, fair enough. So I can just play... Well, not just... That's my take on it. But... Like, yeah. that's just how I see it. Okay, no, no, that, that that does make sense, yeah. So it was just, yeah, that really, mm, no. I heard the fan speculation that Noob Slayer sixty nine was actually Grandmaster. I, I've just seen the post where it's Loki. <laughs> that, that's I was great. playing Overwatch with Noob Slayer sixty nine last night. <laughs> <laughs> Someone immediately went for a BattleNet account change. Of course. <laughs> um. Oh, what was it? Something else. Um. So. Is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just going to be Guardians of the Galaxy 3 quest to 
redo all of Gamora's character development. I guess so, but with Thor. Mm. Okay, okay. There's still no guarantee that Thor's going to be in it, though. Uh, I mean, there kind of is, because... I mean, he's on the ship, but he might just fuck off at some point. Yeah, yeah but, but Hemsworth if... is, like, the one of the original Avengers who signed yeah. up for, like, four more movies, and I think yeah. Guardians is confirmed to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was one of those things of it, it um, because Taika is now basically running the fourth show. They're saying, uh, it, he was saying that it's up to James if he wants him in the film. You know, yeah. It's just a thing. I uh, just an article I saw, and I was like, okay, it makes sense to some degree because James Gunn is the one, obviously, behind Guardians again. So. But it makes sense to keep him there because, as much as Thor is, you know, on on Earth as an Avenger, he is a Marvel space character. Now, so, I I have heard it said repeatedly that Hemsworth's contract includes Guardians Three. Okay. I I don't know how reliable that rumor is but i've heard sure. multiple people stating it as fact i've not seen the origin of this fact i've not fact checked it yeah but given that there's not going to be classic avengers movies anymore uh yeah. given that they're not i don't think they've slated four more thor movies um no. and given the setup at the end of endgame i think it's a pretty safe bet he's going to be in guardians 3 yeah i mean i'm all for that i'm all for that you know um yeah, I mean they've confirmed what eight Marvel movies. Yeah, already not by title, you know, so but they've got no, eight slots in the schedule for them. Yeah, so oh guys, you know you could have taken a break for a little bit. <laughs> we keep saying this, like yeah. Marvel, just just slow down. Um, another bit I did like, uh, and also a bit of, I was like, okay, is a one more. The bit I was okay with was Stan's cameo for the film. Yes. I was like, okay, I get that. The cameo I would preferred, though... Captain Marvel? No, no, I would actually prefer Stan's uh, cameo to have been uh, old Scott Lang during the, t- the, the, the time travel test. Oh, <laughs> oh that would have been, been so cute! Yeah. That would have been brilliant! Oh, shit, man! That's another, oh. that's another bit I liked, was that the line after that, that was like, I don't know if it was old me or baby me, I wet one of us definitely wet myself. Yeah, um, it may have just been it's, me. It's, it's not a someone <laughs> peed in I my also pants. like Bruce's. Yeah. I'm not sure we sent Scott through time so much as we sent time through Scott. Yes, I consider this an absolute win. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I loved, I loved Hulk, Bruce in this. You know, even even uh, everything that he does and uh, he goes through. Uh, I wish we saw even in the final fight, you don't really see him do much because of obviously the side effect from using the gauntlet. Mm. But you know, it'd be nice to see him Hulk a bit. I mean, the most we got to see in the movie was him after they found about Nat is throwing throwing the the the, the bench across the lake. Yeah. You know, that's like the the main extent of his strength we see. But they have also come out and said that that the the damage from using the gauntlet is permanent. Even with his healing factor, it won't ever revert. He won't ever get back to one hundred percent again. 
the same. Until some writer decides to change yeah, that. Yeah, until they... Yeah. Yeah, it's that's like, how comics work, so it's probably how the comic films are going to work. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same... They're basically on the same uh, effect of what happened to Thanos when he used it. Yeah, and he cooked half of his face off. Well, the when he first... In the Infinity War, he fucks up his yeah. arm. And obviously, in Endgame, to destroy the gems, yeah, he fucked himself up good and proper. And the other, uh, the other, other one fi- thing I have is that you've had this, you know, this long-running thing with Tony Stark, with the fact that he's always been cradling his left arm. This is he's always been le- his left arm that's been hurt in the movies. You know, every in every film he's been in, every injury he's had, he's always his left arm that's in the sling. I thought it was his heart that was the the, the injury-prone part. I mean that. Well, no, <laughs> but, his heart was only injured once. Yeah, and how? Yeah, but I liked the idea behind that. That the reason he keeps cradling this this left arm is that he's feeling like the feedback effect from using the gauntlet through through his through 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 time, as it were. But because the the Avengers gauntlet was on the wrong hand for that, I was like, ah, that's something that would have been cool. Hmm. Oh yes, I, you know what? I kind of liked the Iron Gauntlet, the hmm. the sort of the Stark made Infinity Gauntlet, and the way that it expands to fit the Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> it's a one size fits all. Hmm. So that it wasn't immediately obvious who would be wearing it when we first saw it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it totally makes sense for it to have been Hulk, like in a in an uh, the ending of Fallout Three kind of way. Yeah, you know. Who will tackle on the? Who will tackle I mean, this thing? Where does it? it? To expose... I would have maybe given it to the actual god. Yeah. yeah. Or to they, the, they do. To the, they do discuss it, don't they? They could have given it to the other Infinity Stone power it, member of the Avengers. It's the thing where it's just like, who will we give this device that you know throws out a massive load of gamma radiation to? Mm. And it's like forks. Yeah. No, I could not possibly <laughs> let you do this. I could not possibly take this great yeah, moment. Like, I, I would have probably, if it was me, given it to the Nyon invulnerable actual god. Yeah. You know, that's just spitballing there. But if you've got God as one of the choices, probably not yeah. a bad choice. They, they do. They I forget how they explain why they don't give it to Thor. Well, it's because he comes in going, I'm the... I'm the best choice for it. It's gamma yeah. radiation. I've been, I've literally been made to but, do this. But I, but I swear, Thor. They, they consider Thor, and then they discount him. But I can't remember why. Because he big Lebowski's it. <laughs> oh, is it? Is yeah, it, he's not into it because remember he's actually suffering from the whole post-traumatic stress disorder thing about oh, actually killing Thanos. Right. So this is a big fucking yeah. deal for him. Uh, which yeah. I get. Even even after you know he's had he's had his you know revelation talk with his mother and got some. Closure with it all, yeah. But he's it's still, still not pretty okay fresh with going, wounds. Yeah, he's still yeah. not okay with going through with it again. It is because you know he doesn't feel it's one of his, He is still not, you know, Odin the Sun. Yeah, yeah. In his mind, but yet. I, I you think know, he's, if I had been in that room, I would have perhaps made a stronger argument of mortals. 
immortal. Mortals, immortal. Deadly thing, immortal. You do it. <laughs> it That's will make you thing, feel though. better. That's the I think, you know, he, he is long-lived, but he is not immortal. Couldn't they just build a robot to click the thing? <laughs> on, click the thing? Like, Look, the last time they built a robot, it did not go well. Don't give Ultron <laughs> well, the I'm Infinity glad Gauntlet. Someone remembers that. I'm glad someone remembers that because Tony forgot that within the space of half a fucking hour. <laughs> that just seems to be his way of dealing yep. with a problem. I'll build I mean, it a is. robot. It's in character for him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, I mean. I can't. I have the same issues as you guys. You know, I'm still. I'm not saying that I don't have the same issues. But but you came out of it with a like a net enjoyment. Of yeah, the I came cool. out of it feeling it happy about it. You know, actually, yeah. I came. How I came out of the theater was more like, I don't know how to process this. It's going to take me a bit to figure out how I actually feel. It- it definitely was a a, a meal yeah. uh, to sort of to die. There was a lot to choke down there. <laughs> this is this is what I think one of my my reviews of the film at the time was like. How could a film that long and with that much like have a film that long? How could a film that says that much say so little? Like, there's an awful lot going on in that film. But it really felt empty. Yeah. That like, that was the thing for me. It felt yeah. weightless was the word I used earlier. Like there's no yes, gravity yeah. to any of it. Um and there there really should like, be. It's like almost with the, the knowledge it's like the thing of knowledge knowing that the franchising is continuing post the film, that there there is no there is no urgency. You know, that there is no weight. Yeah, to there's it. no stakes. We knew it's that like, going in. No. Yeah, it's like it's gonna everything's gonna turn like out. Like I said, okay. they even got Gamora and Loki back. Like Yeah. It, it was so low stakes. <laughs> Once you got them back as well, it was like, oh okay, yeah. there's literally no consequences. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, the the only net loss to the universe is Tony Stark. Well and Thanos and all of his powers. Uh, yeah, but they're they're villains, they don't count as people. Cap's not a net loss. He lived out his entire lifespan. Yeah, he, but he's he, not he part did it of doing anymore. nothing. Admittedly, (laughs) apparently, um, I I do love as also did did do a great thing, which is basically just the end of Infinity War, and it's Tony saying to to uh, Doctor Strange, "So wait, we follow through this plan. This is the one possible universe where everyone lives." And it's Doctor Strange going, "Yes, everyone lives." (laughs) Presumably. Doctor Strange really doesn't like Tony well, Stark. Well, what he actually said was, if I tell you it doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. And you can see why. <laughs> yeah. And it's that, you know, you've got the one chance. This this is your one chance to do it. In that in that fight scene. That's, <laughs> another bit. That's actually very it. telling about the character of Tony Stark, that, like, Strange has seen every permutation of this possible outcome. And he knows yeah. if yeah. he tells Tony, you can actually save us all by sacrificing yourself, he doesn't do it. No. And that tells you a lot about Tony Stark right there. Yeah. Because, well, I think it's not necessarily a negative 
Uh, no, I'm just saying he's. It's a combination of both being reckless. If you give him a moment to contemplate it, he'll talk himself out of it. Um, yes. And also uh, the ego of he'll do it if he thinks it's his idea. Yes, that's another good way of putting it. I think for me, it would be the, the description of it would be if you. It, it's sort of tied in with that whole if you give him a minute to think about it or even a moment to think about it, he won't do it. If you let him know what it is he has to do, he will consider every single possible alternative. He'll go, no, I'm smart. There must be a better way. Yeah, if, if you tell me that the net result of this is everyone survives and I die, I will find the way to save myself. Yeah, you tell me that's the best possible scenario. I bet I can outdo you. Yeah, therein I, comes I, I the thing I, can... I said about him having to think it's his idea. Because if it's yes. someone else's idea, he'll try and come up with a better idea. But if it's his idea, he'll know it's the best idea. In his own head. That's, that, that, that does work yeah. quite well, I suppose. That actually stuck to but, the character really well. Yeah. Which is one of the few times he stuck to a character. <laughs> but you know what? Steve went back in time <laughs> and did fuck all to stop or save anything or anyone. I honestly hadn't considered that, and you're so right. I, I, yeah. get, I get not wanting to fuck up the timeline and all that, but you're a goddamn super... You are Captain America. Yep. The idea you could enjoy your own happy retirement and let all of that happen, knowing it was happening, and to who, is, yeah. is a bit of a stretch. It now, also, it now Steve... throws the thing of there are some super soldier offspring in the universe. Oh, yeah. They, are, they would be, like, potentially, they would be like half of one of the, the, the greatest and most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe, and also half Captain America. <laughs> yes. I love Peggy. Is it and also, in reference um, to something that we were chatting about before, earlier today, uh, of course, the kid from Iron Man 3 was at the funeral scene. Yes, Harley. Oh, that was him. Yeah, that was who that was. Oh, All grown up. Yeah, I figured that... I figured that out at home. It was like, yeah, I was like, who the fuck was back, that? I got my home with Jen, and I was like, who was that kid at the back there? We that, that's how it... much of a fucking impact Iron Man three had on me. It was like, and who the fuck's that? One wandering through the house, and then I was like, no, then I suddenly, suddenly like dawned on me, and I came back into the living room. And was like, I was like, Iron Man three. She was like, what? It's the kid from Iron Man three. She was like, yes. Which raises the question: like, we know who's taking over from Cap, but as some people have pointed out. It was a five-year gap. He's all grown up now, and he does yep. have an Iron Man suit. He does. Yep. The, the, have you watched the Far From Home, the new trailer? Yes. So, yeah. What was the new one? I need yeah, there was that. one. It starts with a massive Endgame spoiler, so they waited until yeah. after the film to release it. And I oh, did God, love the it's fact a good that trailer. It, it's a great trailer. It looks a fantastic film. Bitch, please, you've been to space. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I, I can't remember which. Yeah, I can't remember which. Whether it was the writer or the director who basically said to people, um, "Don't. Uh, by the way, don't trust Mysterio." <clears throat> like, Gee, guys, thanks. Would never fucking put that. Did he say that after together. people started speculating about the importance of Mysterio in the second trailer, claiming that he's from a different universe in the multiverse? Yes. Because he does ah, make that yeah. claim. He makes back. a hero that he's he's one of Earth's heroes, but not this Earth. I love, I love, I do. What I did love from the trailer is, 
Peter's interaction with Happy in it. And then the fact that Fury calls Peter on his phone and he's just like, I'm not answering it. And then Happy's just like, you can't ignore Nick Fury. You ignore Nick Fury, he calls me. I don't want to talk to him. Did you, did you just send Nick Fury to voicemail? I love Happy as a character. I really do. Yeah. Uh, his whole scene but, in that film was like, I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. Now get on the yeah. jet. You need to see that. You need to watch the trailer. I did love the fact of when they released the trailer, that it had Tom Holland at the start. Yeah, going, massive going, spoiler, first shot of the trailer. If you haven't seen Endgame, don't watch this trailer. If you have seen Endgame, enjoy the trailer. Yeah. Awesome. It literally just starts with a mural dedicated to Tony Stark and Peter going, everywhere <laughs> I go, I see his face. Yeah, but He's definitely going to be filling I... in a little bit because the Iron Spider yeah. is in full effect. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, okay, yes. The instant kill mode for yes. the fight scene. Activate again, instant kill. The Iron Spider. Oh, that was good. <laughs> it Like, it's not as good in motion. Like, the Iron Spider suit, what I fucking love is that, you know the, the variant comic cover from yeah. Civil War? Where he's kind of doing that weird pose where he's got like, the hand down and the, the legs are all, the, the, the spider legs are sort of all out at a weird angle and lots of stuff kind of wrapped around. Yeah. When he's, when he's scuttling. It, yeah, it looks really fucking cool as a still image. Doesn't, Fully work, I think, when it's in motion. I think it but... does in the Far From Home trailer because it yeah. starts cool. right, with a lovely nice shot too. of him dealing with like a room full of robbers with the Iron Spider suit yeah. going full effect. Um, what I think it is with, with the Iron Spider suit in Endgame, it's the amount of guys that he's dealing with. Yeah, it's just a very busy whereas, scene. Yeah, whereas we're in this in the Far From Home trailer, it's you know it's. Half a dozen or Spider-Man so. level, hot enough. It's the it's the friendly neighborhood. Bitch, please, thing, you've been works. to space. Yeah. <laughs> but, I um, did that trailer. Yeah, it, it's, realized, it's, yeah. There was there was another thing just just before we like go on to like Spider-Man, like fully go on to Spider-Man yeah. away from uh, away from Endgame. Um, there was a there was another thing I've seen, which is people talking about uh, Steve's going back in time. Yeah, is that. He adjusted quite nicely to life yeah. in the twenty first century. Yeah. So it's just like uh, Peggy being like, "Steve, could you go and send this letter for me?" He's like, send a letter. Oh, and have you have you booked, uh, booked a hotel for uh, for our holiday? Yeah, let me just Google. Oh, no, <laughs> the I made a horrible yeah, mistake. How rich is old man Rogers? Because he would have bought stock in Google right up front. <laughs> yeah, I mean, An apple. apple. Uh, what? Uh, what? <laughs> At what point is he going to be like, well, is this fucking up the timeline? Is this not fucking up I, the timeline? I would timeline? love it if the future Avengers are just funded off the back of Steve Rogers' extremely sensible investments. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't save Bucky. I can't, I don't know, stop the Khmer Rouge. But I can buy stock in Apple, I guess. Like, I liked, where's the fucking cutoff point? I liked Jenna's headcanon of the fact that he kept Molnir and... Because like the kids are acting up, he just puts the hammer on top of whatever and they want. He didn't want. use it in and Rwanda, they... and he didn't use it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so many atrocities throughout. Yeah, I love that headcanon that he kept Mjolnir, of... and therefore the powers of Thor, and used them to control yeah. his unruly children and do nothing to the benefit <laughs> of the world at large. We got superpower <laughs> kids, so you know. Like, so there, it, it gives us two things, right? Either, either. He went out and did superhero shit because you know Captain America. Or, he did the Incredibles thing and did it. 
on the QT. Yeah. On the, on and the, the QT. world would have been much, much worse if he hadn't. Right, no, no, no. Here's my thing. Right? On the QT, on the quiet, right? He's Captain America. He's fairly fucking recognisable in the yeah. 40s in America. Did he just not leave his house for 20 <laughs> years or something until the jowls started to come in? Like, No, the I get fuck? the feeling he just he had the conversation of, you're Steve Rogers. Don't be silly. Steve Rogers is dead. I get that a lot, though. But like, it's also it depends the when of... he went when he went back to because if he went back to the time to go and get to go and have his dance with Peggy, then in that in this universe Steve didn't die. Captain Rogers didn't die because he would have only been gone for like three days. He would have been presumed dead for like three days. Yeah, uh, you know what? Presumed dead for three days isn't even a thing. Missing for three days does not get you presumed dead. He must got the thing of because of the super soldier serum. He's got, like, he, he'll stay younger for longer. Yeah, so it's just like, what did he do? Like, because people are going to recognise him. He, he's he's got to go get a job. Maybe that's why he was wearing all the weird prosthetics. Oh, shit, he went and got yeah. plastic surgery. In the yeah. And that's why he looks Jesus like that Christ. now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm honestly amazed he still looks human, because, like, getting plastic surgery in the 40s and then ageing up into the 2010s, nearly 2020s, Wow. No, into and the 2020s. You've you got to remember, there's a five-year yeah. jump. Oh, shit, yeah, 2024. Oh, it's it's up in the air when it's supposed to be, I guess. Yeah, it's the but, 2020s of some kind. Yeah, so it's just like, it just makes the question, what the fuck was he doing in the past? Because if he's doing stuff, that begs a lot of questions. If he's no doing stuff. no stuff, <laughs> that just begs further fucking questions. Basically... Captain America is the biggest villain in the Marvel fucking universe. Sorry, completely off topic, but uh, uh, Paradox are doing a once a week reveal of which clans are going to be in Bloodlines 2, <gasps> and this week the Toreador have made it in. Woo woo! Yay! I mean, of course they have. Well, yes, they are like. They were kind of like the default clan for, for um, Bloodlines 2. On the 1. Discord, I can now actually select my clan. Because as they're revealed, you oh, can um, align with them and get the uh, Discord role. But I'm like, Bruja? You know no. Tremere? No. Toreador? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> you know what? I'm never going to be able to select it because they're never going to put the fucking Giovanni <laughs> there, like, as, a, as a goddamn like uh, basic No, class. I don't think so. I'm going to have to wait till the modders get involved before I get to play my fucking clan. But another thing with the Steve going back in time and all that is that he would have been around when young Steve came to see Peggy as she was yep. dying. And it's like just just old Steve lurking in another room <laughs> to make sure that young Steve doesn't see him. Oh my god! <laughs> it raises so many own... questions. Because <laughs> not only is he going to be like. It's me from the past, but also the future. He's also gonna be like, last time I saw me from the past, from the future, I had to fight myself. <laughs> Jesus! And he's gonna be there, going, oh I really want to be there for her when she dies, but I can't because I'm there with her. Man, I could really clean up this whole civil war matter and prove Bucky's innocence, <laughs> and that he didn't murder the king I've of seen... fucking Wakanda. But you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna let this whole thing just play out. Another comic. Another oh. comic I've seen of. Steve time traveling. It's him time traveling back to stop the kiss he has with Sharon. <laughs> Basically going, 
It's going to make it really weird. Trust me. Yeah, man. Can you imagine if the after the credits moment was like the Deadpool two after the credits moment? Oh, where it's like him appearing in different and, and just correcting and all stuff. his own mistakes by like killing himself <laughs> as portrayed in X Men Origins, killing Ryan Reynolds yeah. before reading the Green Lantern script. Uh, <laughs> but it's just Steve Rogers going back and fixing everything. <laughs> Though I like that there wasn't an after credits moment. Yeah. Yeah. Other than other than the uh, the hammer yeah. blows. Like yeah. uh, clearly the um, the last couple of scenes, like especially Thor in the Guardians ship, felt like it had originally been intended to be a mid or post credit scene. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then they probably decided, you know what? No. Because this is a three-hour movie, no one's fucking hanging around. I <laughs> no, didn't. I was fucking off. I didn't know whether there'd be a post-credits I, moment or not, but I was like, Do you know what, I don't care. I, 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 I had been told that there were no post-credit moments, but by an unreliable source, and I was like, you know what, I'm willing to... I, I had no idea at all, one way or the other, but I was like, do you know what, it's been three hours, they'll put it on YouTube eventually. I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sore ass to mm-hmm. go and deal with. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, I am glad I saw it. Like, otherwise, the yeah. whole thing would have felt unresolved forever. I went to go and see it not because I wanted to watch the movie, but because I wanted to understand the memes. <laughs> There's going to be many, out. yeah. And now, yes. and now I can. You can engage so, in fandom. Yeah. Um, but I, I do, however, feel like I've been fucking robbed because you know what? I understand all the Game of Thrones memes, and I've only seen one fucking episode <laughs> of the show season one. <laughs> And yet I somehow seem to have absorbed enough fucking pop culture knowledge. I feel like I probably could have done that with Endgame. However, right, however you feel about Endgame, Far From Home looks spectacular. From the trailers. Yes, hey, I'm very gonna, much so. I'm going to look the trailer up. I was going to say now. I'm but like, so excited for this movie. If it's anywhere as good as uh, Homecoming was, we're in for a massive fucking yep. treat. Um, best part, of that trailer is definitely Peter sort of stammeringly talking to MJ, trying to make a confession that he likes her. He's like, I, yeah. and she just goes, I'm Spider Man. What? N- no? <laughs> kind of obvious. <laughs> and then it cuts from that bit, so you never get no, the result. But you will in the movie. But yeah, that Indeed. was just a lovely moment. I, I always love when the person has figured it out. Like, there's a lovely yes. moment at the end of the latest season of Flash. As I said, I was watching it earlier. Um, Captain Singh, the head of the um, police department where Barry is a CSI, uh, has yeah. been promoted to chief of police, and he's moving on, and he's leaving Joe, uh, Barry's adoptive father, as the new captain. Uh, and he's giving him this right. news in front of Barry, and says, don't worry, Joe, uh, if things get you know kind of out of hand here as... They do from time to time. You have plenty of good help on hand. Isn't that right, Flash? Barry's just like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) Please, I'm a detective. (laughs) Nice. How old is Barry in the series? Uh, I I couldn't give you his exact birth date, but (laughs) I would say late 30s. Okay. He just, admittedly, to me, he has one of those faces where he could quite easily play a fucking teenage. Yeah, that's why I read the teenage witch. I, I was, I was under the pretense he was quite young. I mean, 
for a superhero, he's not the oldest. I mean, maybe maybe early thirties, not late thirties. I'm I may be being uh, doing a disservice there, but late twenties, early thirties, okay. I would say. Okay, that's that's more feasible because it's just the guy just seems really young. He does, he's just one of those guys that looks that. Young. He's he's youth, youthful. He has a very youthful energy. I was going to say he's like Tom Holland, but Tom Holland is fucking super young. I mean, he himself is 29, and I think 29 would actually be a perfect age for Barry in that show. Sure. Um, and Iris is 33, the actress who plays her, and again, it would be a perfectly suitable age for her in that show. So late 20s, early 30s, I feel like that's the perfect ballpark for them. Okay, hmm. yep, that, that works. They would be such tiny babies in Legends of Tomorrow. They would. <laughs> which, which, finally sitting down to watch. Oh, goody! Don't watch the latest season. Well, it'll be a while until we get there. <laughs> okay, good. Because we, we've just watched the first half of the pilot episode. Oh, cool, cool. What are you thinking so far? Uh, well, I have been advocating that we watch this for a while. Right. Because I was like... Come on, it's time traveling disaster bisexuals. Um, <laughs> it, it's just nonsense. This is so up our street. Vandal if, if Savage is the continuing antagonist plotline. Yeah. Uh, y- you've got more Leonard Snart. Like, that could never be anything but a delight. Oh, I'm so glad because fucking uh, Wentworth Miller's. Uh... Uh, fucking Captain Cold is very divisive. I found. In- oh, we love him. Yeah, we uh, absolutely right. adore him. But right, I love him as well. But <laughs> he's a weird fucking actor when it comes yes, to his is. delivery. Like him, and I forget the name of the actor. Um, oh, Dominic Purcell, the guy who plays Mick. Uh, yeah, Mick Rory. They have such weird fucking delivery. Yes, they on do. Every line. Yep. <laughs> But I, I fucking love their version of Snart. And I love that we've had bad Snart and good Snart across yes. his appearances. But honestly, like I knew we were making the right choice from one of his lines in the pilot for Legends. Which one was that? It's when they're going to see the professor. Mm. And Rip's like, you, you and you are coming with me. And it's like, well, you're leaving the rest of us here? And it's like, this mission doesn't require your particular set of skills. And Leonard just leaning back in his chair as comfortable as you like. Meaning you don't want anyone killed, maimed, or robbed. Yeah. And Rip Hunter just looks at him and goes, yeah. And leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Leonard is is, is fucking awesome. No, we adore him so much. I'm so so glad. It it was perhaps the final nail in my argument uh, that we should really give it a chance was like, more snart! Yeah. And Zoe was like, yeah, all right," (laughs) Because we we love Wentworth Miller. He's so good. I'm I'm very, very glad then. That's that's good. Um, Ronan and I are watching the uh, the latest season and it's it's, I'm not going to say it's bad, it's just I mean... I, I will give uh, like a non-spoiler because it's like if if I remove the context for it, it is not a spoiler. I think I might have done this last week actually. I'm just thinking that for the later season of of, of um, Legends of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, it opens with them going back in time to solve a a a crime slash mystery in Regency period England, right. And the episode ends with a massive Bollywood dance and song number. Okay. 
That sounds right on form. It gets really fucking silly as time goes on. By by season, I forget if we're on three or four. I think we're on season four now. But uh, by this the, this later season, they've really leaned into. We are basically just fan fiction, the show. Excellent. That's that's what I want. So they, they've they've done. You know, we're doing the musical episode. We're doing this episode. They're, they've done the sex pollen episode. <laughs> like all we need now is the and they were roommates episode. Wait, actually, I think, actually now thinking about it, no shit, they have already done that. So, as I understand it, Hawkgirl and Hawkman don't make it through to the last seasons. Do you want me to give a spoiler on that? Oh yeah, by all means. Okay, so Hawkman will not make it through uh, the first couple of episodes. Oh shit. Uh, Hawk Girl does not make it through season one. She won't okay. be se- or rather she won't be in season two. Not so, that she doesn't make it, but she won't be in season two. I have to say, that should have been the end of the show. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the the concept of the show is we're gonna go kill Vandal Savage. Right. And if it's not Hawkman or Hawk Girl who does it, mm-hmm. then he comes back. Very bold of you to assume that Vandal Savage is the recurring villain through every season. True, true, but he yeah. he's very much promoted as the through line in the if, early episodes. If if I told you that season two's villains include Eobard Thorne... I mean, I'm not uh, surprised that, let's just say, they make some diversion road trips along yes. the way. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say what happens <laughs> and why they're there, but like the, 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 there is a villain trio uh, in in uh, for at least some part of season two. Which includes Eobard Thorne, uh, Damien Dark, and oh, fucking I forget what it is. It's something Merlin, but jo- John Barrowman, basically. Yes, uh, they are a villain trio in season three. Not um, bad. Yeah, and it's sorry in season two. Season three is when Constantine turns up. Now I'm hoping Eobard Thorne will be in the upcoming crossover event. Uh oh, Christ on um, Infinite Earth. Yeah, yeah. Because it's he's a through line in season four of the Flash. Yes. And the whole point is he's advising Nora, and there's a whole thing where Barry finds out that she's been taking his advice and loses his shit because it's Thorne. And yeah. you don't you don't understand. Um and it's like, no, he has this he's he he only cares about one person and that's himself. He's manipulating you. Somehow he's making you do what he wants. Uh and he gets over it, they they get back together, he can't prove it, and then of course he absolutely is engineering his own escape. Yes. And at the very end he gets away. What a surprise. Reverse flash survives. But his final words to Barrier, see you in your next crisis. Uh, okay. Which could just be a gag that every time it all goes very badly wrong for Barry, it's Thorne's fault. I can't remember if he turned up in Crisis on Earth X. Yeah, I can't either, but it could yeah. be a little reference to the fact that the crossover called Crisis yeah. will feature Thorne. I hope so. I mean, it might be interesting because I think that storyline does also involve the... I don't know what it's called, but it's essentially the Black Lantern Flash. Mmm. <laughs> Um, it's really that a lot of Flash stuff turns up in season two of oh. uh, Legends. I just I love that they've got Tom Cavanagh playing Eobard Thorn because mm. that's not canonically what Thorn looks like. Yeah, 
that is what Thorne looks like when he's disguising himself as Harrison Wells. Yes. But Tom so Kavanagh actor, is a well. better actor than the guy who actually plays Thorne. So he likes disguising himself that way. <laughs> what, what do you, by the way, what do you think of Casper Crumb as, as um, um, Vandal Savage? I uh, haven't seen a huge amount of him yet. You only like, get him like, so far. You'll have only seen him, I think, in the intro bit. Yeah, I've uh, seen him in the the flashbacks. So him in ancient Egypt, stabbing the shit out of the original yeah. uh, Hawk Girl and Hawk Man. Uh, seen all of the wonderfully awful photoshops they've done to put him into all the historical yes. events. <laughs> <laughs> him sitting well. in the crowd of the Kennedy assassination, looking really happy. Um, <laughs> And the scene right at the end of the first episode where he finds the warhead. Uh, yeah. So that's literally like all we've seen. Um, so far, he's fine. Um, so also, like ex- characters that will turn up and become either recurring or one-time members of the, the like the crew. You get Vixen in season two as yeah, well. Yeah, I was looking up a list, and I love that the allies list is like, Vixen, the Team Arrow, Team Flash, Team Supergirl... And and then just out of nowhere was, oh, fucking, who was it? It was some historical figure. And I was just like, that's such a fucking cognitive dissonance to include yeah. them on the same list. It was like J.R.R. Tolkien or something. Yes, there, there is. <laughs> the the big finale of season two is them going back in time to World War One to save Tolkien. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And it was um, just on the list listing it with them was just like that's beautiful man you've made a work of art there wikipedia it's it's one of the weird things that mick uh weirdly cares about okay like them having to go back in time i forget what, who they who they had to save but they essentially have to save someone uh because if they didn't oh they, they, it, right again no context for it but one of the episodes of this, this later season involves a, a little demon bug that goes inside people and eats their lies so they can only tell the truth. Interesting. It infects Richard Nixon, which causes... And the fact that Richard Nixon can no longer tell lies starts to cause America to implode. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, So they have to go and kidnap Richard Nixon. (laughs) And But one of the things they mention is that basically uh, Nixon doesn't serve out his full term. Right. All of the, the controversies he has in, like he canonically, that actually happens in the real world, don't happen. Um, is it Twelve Angry Men? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't get made. Oh shit! And and suddenly, like they mentioned that as a little aside, that doesn't get made. And Mick stands up with a fucking roar of anger. He's just like, "What? No Sundance Festival? <laughs> no independent movie? No tasteful nudity?" He is an interesting man. See, I liked Mick anyway, and he was just yeah. an occasional one-note villain in like Flash and Arrow. Like he, he turned gets... up occasionally, but everything I'm learning about his characterization in Legends is making me really all the more enthusiastic to watch this show. For better or worse, he gets some very interesting character. My favorite moments of of Mick, like again, not spoiling anything, but my favorite moments of Mick are when they go, "Oh, he's funny, cuddly Mick Rory." but he just has those occasional lines where you go, oh, yeah, you're essentially... You are a supervillain. You are... You've killed people. You are a monster. Mm. And they don't shy away from it occasionally. But this late season, again, they've mostly forgotten about that. He's just kind of comic relief. Mm. But seasons two and three, they have these little moments where you're like, 
Oh yeah, Mick. I mean, he's mostly he's, comic relief in the pilot, and he's, he's it's mostly it's, comic relief. But you wouldn't want to be left alone. With oh him. no, no, no. Yeah. But I just love the bit where Atom's getting all sulky because he's found out they were picked because they were expendable from the timeline. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Like, You're just two bit nobody criminals, and Mick's like, oh, I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can just see it on Snart's face, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they have some honestly. Again, because I think it's just because they're villains. When you have them doing shit like going back in time, like Leonard trying to go back in time to fix, not necessarily his life, but the life of people he knows, mm. is is really heartbreaking. And Mick being forced to go back in time and meeting his abusive father mm. is very, oh, oh, it's uncomfortable. I love Snart's reasoning for why he joins up with the legends. It's been a while, uh, as you might have to remind it's, me. It's the... Mick, why did we even get into this business? Yes! yes. This it's like... is the grandest opportunity of all time. We could steal the Mona Lisa right off the easel. Take the Hope Diamond before it's ever discovered. This is what being a criminal is about, Mick. <laughs> Go back in time to, like, before forensics was a thing. Yeah, before like... fingerprints, before CSIs. <laughs> It's like, it's such a genius fucking reasoning. I love it. And it keeps them on the team, which is like, yeah, oh. I love that as, in terms of Cole talking himself into doing it. Because yeah. if you've seen enough of the other DC shows, you know he actually wants to do it. Because deep down, he is actually a bit of a hero. Yeah. Oh, my God. But he's talking himself into it. And yeah. I love that. He's finding his justification of I could steal the Mona Lisa right from Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> it's, oh, he's so, so great. I fucking love him. Flash is the show where it really shows that, you know, deep down he's got that heart of gold because. Oh, oh this is the show. Don't worry. Oh, cool, cool. But it's <laughs> like you, you actually see that character development yes. in its entirety in Flash because their, their first interaction ends with Flash leaving him alone, essentially. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and going, <laughs> look, just don't hurt anyone, and then I don't have to worry about you. If if you're just committing robberies, you're not a superhero problem. Just don't hurt anyone. Plus, you don't yeah. even have superpowers. And you don't so even have superpowers. How's it my business? And, and Snart's like, huh. Okay, that's a pretty good deal for a do-gooding superhero. You're on. And then later, when he needs help, he goes to him and goes, See, I know you're not a bad guy. You took my deal. You didn't hurt anyone. You're actually a good dude. Help me. He's like, okay. <laughs> and reluctantly goes and does a bit of heroing. And then in return, it's like, You've done me some favors. Let me do you some. And then starts mentoring the Flash a little bit. And, yeah. then, and he has this whole arc of redemption and becoming the good guy, which I really I, I like. Could... I don't think I've seen Wentworth Miller in anything else. I know he was in Prison Break and stuff like that. Mm. It's like I don't know if he acts like this for any other character he plays, but he legitimately hers. He really does. All of his lines. <laughs> it's so weird. Herring is the best way to describe that delivery. He's like, he, so good. He hers all of his lines, and if you've got that in your mind, you know exactly how he delivers it now. Mm -hmm. And Dominic Purcell grunts all of his yep. lines. Yep, absolutely true. It's very much like a cat and a dog team. Yes, absolutely. Except like one of those really big mean motherfucking dogs. Yes. <laughs> anyway. I think 
I think the, got... the weirdest role I've seen Wentworth Miller in is uh, he was Chris uh, Redfield in one of the Resident Evil movies. No! Yeah. What the fuck? I've, I've seen the Resident Evil movie that has Chris Redfield in it. I don't remember it being Wentworth Miller. Yeah. Wait a fucking Resident minute. Evil Afterlife 2010. Chris Holy Redfield. Shit, I, oh my I god. Saw Afterlife. Like, <laughs> I like, he's, he's more... He's more like traditional Chris body shape than Resi Six. Resi Six Chris, whereas um, you wouldn't imagine Wentworth Miller punching a boulder into pieces. No, but I would expect um, the other guy, Dominic Purcell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh be- shit! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was. He at that point in time, he was too busy uh, playing Dracula in in Blade Trinity. Oh Christ! Yeah, he did. Yeah. Just to, just to remind everyone that that fucking happened. Anyway, we have veered wildly off the topic. Well, I, think topic we we have, cut, yes. I think we might have to cut the last like 20 minutes or so. No, I'm fucking leaving it in. It was good stuff. <laughs> right. But uh, it is getting late, and we it have is. very so much is. covered what we intended to talk about. We're back on form, guys. We are, aren't back we? <laughs> with our fucking nearly three-hour episode. We've got, we got the return of Rob on the horizon. On the horizon, looming. Return of the King. Looming. Unfortunately, he is unavailable currently because he's doing good works, doing acting classes for children. He's actually like, being a good I human wish, being. I yes. wish I was kidding. <laughs> I yeah. wish I was making that up to try and make everyone Wait, feel let, better let about the, his absence, let, but that's fucking true. Like, let legit. Me check the message thing. Are, they, are they like underprivileged children? I mean, are they... Probably. Yeah. <laughs> are you saying that just because they're with Rob? Like, they're, under- they're underprivileged now, yes, if Rob's teaching them. Uh, <laughs> we lo- we're joking. We love you, man. We love you. That, please, that's please harsh. Know that that, yeah. Please know that that's a joke. No, I have to rip on you because you're not here, but of course yeah. we love you, dude. He's not here to defend himself, is he? So. Exactly. But, and of course, once he is here, we will, of course, not make any jokes at his expense. No, that's not at all. all. We, don't, we don't make any jokes at any, any of the other host's expenses. Never, never do that. It's never no. been known to happen. Yeah. No, you know, not like falling asleep on air or anything. <laughs> uh, although we can report that uh, he wept for the last hour of Endgame. He certainly, <laughs> he would have been on Jack's side for this. He's on yes. my side, yes. C- Civil War, whose side are you on? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't specify underprivileged, just young'uns. Yes. Yeah. But. You have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared for a lot longer than we were planning. I, throughout all of it, have been Simon. I went through a massive character arc here, but here I am and I'm Kyrie. And I have been and forever will be Jack. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>